Hey everybody, before we start this episode of the MinMax Show podcast, I wanted to bring up something very important. I'm talking about the Nintendo Switch Pro Controller. You probably own one, you probably love one, but don't you want to play with it more when you're playing handheld Switch? Well, the folks at Fixture Gaming have you covered with the Fixture S1. Look at this sucker. It's a clip that you just clip onto your Switch Pro Controller and then slide the screen in on top of that in a very comfortable way, very ergonomic way. You can keep playing with the Pro Controller on the go with the Fixture S1. And they're so confident and so generous, they're giving away a Fixture S1 randomly to somebody who watches and shares this episode of the MinMax Show podcast. So if you share this episode of the podcast on Twitter and use the hashtag MinMaxFixture, use that hashtag while you share this episode of the podcast, you can win a Fixture S1 with the custom MinMax logo on it. So thanks so much to the fine folks at Fixture. You can go to their official site and use the promo code MinMax there for $5 off the Fixture S1 if you want to play comfortably on the go with the Nintendo Switch. Okay, on with the show. everybody and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. My name is Ben Hansen and I'm joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hello. And Leo Vader's here too. Thank you. But that's not all. We also have Janet Garcia from California. Hey, what's up? All the way from beautiful California. Welcome, Janet. How you doing? I'm good. You know, it's warm out here. It's nice. We have a big episode of the podcast. We are talking about EA Play. 2021 not quite e3 but it's like a dash of e3 coming back in late july of course thanks to ea we got some fun news coming out of that then we're gonna be talking a little bit about death's door leo's gonna regale us with the saga of a video game that he um what's the way to phrase it leo leo how do we how do we put your experience here uh really liked <laughs> okay great we'll get into that that's a hell of a pitch uh, then kyle and i will be talking about aliens fire team elite a little bit more some odds and ends then back half of the show of course we have some great community questions that people submitted over on patreon so thanks everybody for submitting such wonderful questions along the way ea play 2021 did you manage to watch it kyle i did yeah i had it up uh, in the background while i was doing some work and stuff saw, saw our good pal andy mack kicking it off and uh yeah. The end was very exciting, the last five minutes. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was, it was interesting. Yeah, so they had the pre-show, and they had our former boss from Game Informer, Andy McNamara, co-hosting the, the big pre-show. He did a great job. That is a tough gig. That is tough. It's very easy to just rail against all presenters, but to sit there and try and be calm when clearly everyone's very nervous and to try and be lighthearted. I don't know, Janet, do you think you could do that? Could you handle, like, E3 presenter style? I think I could, but I, I know I'd be horrified. Like there are a couple things that I do that still get me really nervous, like host, like usually hosting stuff, like anything where it's like not like here where it's like, I'm just here and you'll ask me something and then right. I answer. It's kind of crazy. Um, but like having to be the person driving, mm-mm, it's horrifying. So I, a short answer, yes. Long answer, I'd be scared. And then side answer, watching it now that I've been in the industry for like a bit longer, I just can't stop thinking about like the meta of the presentation. Like I was watching the stream and I'm like, 
oh man, this is really intense. Okay, good delivery. Good, clear, clear, calm. Nice, <laughs> yeah. nice cadence, okay? You become more Be sympathetic. Not too energetic. It's just like the, yeah, it's, it takes a real, a real talent to do that well. And especially when I'm in my head about like seeing somebody like Andy on there, it's like, I know Andy pretty well at this point. I worked with him for a very long time. I know he hates being on camera and hates seeing himself on camera. So just that idea of like him in this primetime slot, it's like, oh God, please go well. And then lo and behold, it did. Um, yeah, during the pre-show, they ran through a couple of things. They showed off Lost and Random, uh, which is that platformer that looks a little bit like Psychonauts 2 and it has a card system which is trying to mash together leo's favorite thing which is dealing with cards and his least favorite thing which is joyful 3d platformers to see if he's coming over to the side but (laughs) is that working for you leo yeah we'll see we'll see if they can scam me (laughs) trick me into playing it (laughs) all right cool um but we should probably get to the big thing from this ea play right out of the gate kyle what happened at the end tell us the saga Xavier Woods walked in. Well, actually, he didn't walk into a dark room. He told us, the viewer, to walk into a dark room. And there was a lovely, horrifying tease for the remake of Dead Space uh, for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X exclusively. Well, PC as well. uh, Yeah. It's Dead Space, man. It's freaking exciting. (laughs) It is fantastic. Yeah. So it's also coming to PC. But I think that was probably my big takeaway. Very, very light tease here overall. But just that idea that, oh, visually, I don't think I was fully expecting it to look this good. And even just from like the very light teaser, I was blown away by how good it looked. And then that big slam at the end of letting everybody know that this is going to be next gen only. That alone doubled my excitement. I was like, oh, I didn't even thought about that idea of them really pushing how good this thing can look. But very light teaser. Like, Janet, were you interested in all in what they showed or is it more still the concept of what they're building is exciting i mean yeah i'm definitely interested i mean i think this is this is perfect i mean it's perfect for a lot of people if you love it and want a reason to go back there you go and if you're like me and you really like miss it the first time around i'm like now i don't have to go play the older versions i can play this and kind of have this kind of be my definitive experience of it um and kind of you know, re-experience it with everybody. Cause I think that's one of the drawbacks of missing games, right? Like a lot of people will be like, oh, you gotta go back and play such and such. And that has a lot of its own value, but it is kind of, and people do get excited when you play like their old favorite games, if you yeah. like, tweet about them and stuff. But it's nice cause now everyone, there'll be like a shared conversation that I can get back into despite having missed it all those years ago. So definitely excited. Kind of wish there was a bit more there. Like I had to look it up after I'm like, okay, is this our, are this is a remake or remaster like what's the what do we know and and i kind of right. wish it was a, a bit more but so, i love that it was one more thing also i love the one more thing it was a nice way to close everything out and obviously the big debate rages on in the game industry about like ah i wish we didn't know about this i wish jeff grubber in particular hadn't really gotten out there and sent the flares up saying this is going to be happening because it does i i'm still you know of two minds about that whole debate but it is interesting just watching the chat during an ea play where they're trying to talk about grid legends the new codemasters game and stuff like that and the chats just lighten up like talk about dead space or get the hell out of here whereas before it would have been a nice surprise but still but how many more see. people did they have watching that presentation because they knew dead space was going to be in it that's true yeah that's probably a significant amount yeah because everybody could run those stories about dead space and then say by the way they'll be revealing it at ea play ea play live which is a weird thing EA to say play. that's right <laughs> <laughs> I mean, genuinely, I, I don't, I, 
I there's a lot of EA games I like, but just like their slate for the upcoming year, I'm not a big Battlefield guy. I'm not playing Apex Legends. I probably would have skipped it if uh, if there hadn't been that sort of like you know those rumors going around of Dead Space because I, Dead Space is like miles and miles and far away easily my favorite thing EA has ever done. Period. Like there's no contest. There's no like second place for me. Specifically, even I would even go to hone it down even more. I would say Dead Space Two is the best game EA has ever published. Period. Oof! All right, hot Oof. takes. Uh, we'll be unpacking it because we're is doing. It, I don't know if it's that hot, but it is a take. <laughs> no, no, I think it's interesting. Out. Just you wait and see. Yeah, I mean, it does. I think EA has had a really good year so far this year. Like, it doesn't. It's a nice reminder of the game industry. It doesn't take that many releases to kind of turn around perception. I think just that idea of Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Knockout City. Oh yeah, Mass Effect. That's what everyone's going to be mad at me. Yeah, they're going to be Dead furious. Better than Mass Effect. <laughs> but then also, I stand by it. But then also, like it takes two. Like that trifecta just in 2021 is kind of like, oh, hey, yay, look at this, and then bringing back this fan favorite, Dead Space, even though this is still a really long way away. I mean, EA Motive is developing it. Um, it seems like their last project. Uh, Project Atlas, which was their new IP they've been trying to build. I mean, that's the reason EA Motive was founded, was to create new IP. And that project was killed, what, last year? They just released Star Wars Squadrons last year. So this is like a Bioware-esque tease of don't expect this for years and years and years, most likely. Well, since we know it is a remake somewhat along the lines of RE2 remake, which was very much RE2, but also its own thing. Yeah. Are you hoping they make any changes? Are you hoping this is a secret lead in to like a new set of Dead Space games? Or do you hope it's the exact thing and then it does well and then they remake the next one? Exactly. I hope they play it safe, which is normally not the camp I'm in. But I hope that it is more faithful to the original than maybe you would even expect. I think Resident Evil 2, this is what Jeff Grubb reported, dear friend of the show, said that it was kind of, that's the way they were talking about it internally, is, is tweaking some things. Um, and I think that's a good way to go. Like, keep it that shorter experience, that 10-hour, single-player, focused experience. But even in, uh, they had an interview on IGN, and the producer and creative director talked a little bit about it there, and they said that, they're going back to like some of the original designs for Dead Space 1 about like, okay, it seems like they wanted to do this. This was in the concept art. That wasn't in there. We can make that happen. Um, but then also they're taking some ideas and like story elements from Dead Space 2 and 3 to try and like seed things better and connect things better. And then there's smaller things like zero G controls and stuff. They're bringing those in from Dead Space 2 into Dead Space 1. So there are those level of tweaks apparently. Well, they did. It, it, this is this announcement is funny because it very much was one where it was like there actually is a decent amount of information beyond the teaser because like you could watch that teaser and not even be certain it's a remake. Right. Like the main thing for, for me was like I, you know, we're doing the deepest dive. I played the first hour or so of Dead Space last night. Cut off their limbs is like a very specific moment. And and like the fact that that was wholesale placed here was more of an indicator that it was a remake than anything else to me. But like you wouldn't really necessarily remember that if i hadn't just played it last night right but um some of the things i saw were like it it is a they said it's funny they phrased it like we're updating the story too and it and yeah like there are elements of the way dead space 2 plays that i would love to see brought into one like just the way um what is it called the uh the zero g stuff where you can lift stuff up and throw it yeah is like vastly improved in dead space 2 way more fun in dead space 2 and like it's a it's a it's very limited perhaps unnecessarily in Dead Space 1. So I actually encourage them to kind of tweak and like, 
you know, change the story and see things for the future. I, I wouldn't mind if it's not very faithful because Dead Space 1, which we'll talk about in depth soon, still holds up really well and is not a game that I would have said is in need of a remake, honestly. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of just hard for me to picture them remaking three games in a row like relatively accurate to what they were like the idea of them changing more right. for this makes it more likely that the dead space is a real brand for them going forward the way that resident evil remakes are like part of keeping that brand alive and relevant for having actual new games yeah that is interesting to think about i think you're probably right in that this will be kind of the safe bet not exactly testing the waters but at least let's just establish things make fans happy but the idea of doing three is going to be a bit much and so then whatever their equivalent of Dead Space 2 will be will be a little bit more of them experimenting and trying to rework things from the ground up even further than they're doing here. Maybe I mean, that's I where the big twist is remake. at the end of 2, and it leads into a different 3, since that was more mm, critically divisive. Smart, That'd yeah. be interesting. I mean, I wouldn't mind this remake, right, being like a remake of Dead Space 1, and then whatever's next, like rather than remake Dead Space 2, a game that I've, have established that i love very dearly like then that's kind of where dead space 4 comes to exist you know what i mean right like dead space 1 is like just gives you a taste of the world so that it can bring in new people like janet and you know satisfy people like me who love the original (laughs) and uh and then they can be like okay now we're doing something new new protagonist new we're going somewhere different in this universe and that would be amazing i'd totally be for that but then would they be seeding those story elements from two and three, which in the IGN interview, they say that they're doing if they weren't going to be following through on that, or would their equivalent of dead space four kind of just not literally be a dead space four, but whatever their dead space colon awakening is, or whatever the hell they call the successor. Legends. Yes, of course. Um, then they would just pull in Legends. story elements from two and three. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting saga, but it's, it's yeah, who knows? Yeah. Tip of the cap for EA for actually doing this and that new team and, Within EA Motive, which like the creative director and producer come from uh, Ubisoft. Like the creative director was the director of For Honor, which is a bizarre transition over here. Um, But they say uh, in that IGN interview, uh, we want to make that immersion even deeper with a fully interactive experience from the start screen to the end credits. We don't want anything to pull you out of the experience and we don't want any cuts. So they're they're (laughs) taking the old God of War track here. No, no they're taking their original idea that God of War capitalized on. Well, hang on. Are there cutscenes in the original Dead Space? There, there, there are, there's maybe like one uh, all honest to God cut in Dead Space 1. It is all very meant, much meant to be a single cut. Really? Okay. Dead Space 1? Aren't play. there loading screens in the tram? Oh, you know what? Now I'm second guessing myself. Maybe I it is. Maybe I'm two. mixing up two. Two is the one that really pulls it off in an impressive way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, but the joke, the joke that I'm making still stands is that like, they kind of did it first, but they just didn't use it as a marketing pillar. (laughs) Although I will say in dead space two, that was the case, except on PlayStation three, where you would save your game and it would pop up that big, ugly PS three, select your save slot UI that still happens in like last of us remastered and stuff. (laughs) Like I really hope they avoid doing that on the PS five version, but I think it's exciting. Um, that idea of, okay, yeah, it seems like the game is built for that, like having the the health on Isaac Clark's back and all that stuff in a way that God of War really didn't work for that. Like originally, I remember I visited uh, Sony Santa Monica for the God of War cover story trip back at Game Informer and talked to them about that idea of the no-cut camera, of course, and how originally they wanted like all the UI and stuff to also be no-cut. 
like if you were upgrading your axe, the camera would transition and zoom in on the axe and you actually see Kratos' hand like upgrading the things there. And eventually it's like, well, we just needed a pause screen because there's too much going on here. Yeah. But maybe the design simplicity of Dead Space will work I mean, a lot this, better with that idea. This is no Dead Space pulled that off already. Yeah. Like, everything is in universe. When you upgrade yourself, it never cuts away. When you go into your inventory, it's all in universe. It's a holographic display that pops up in front of you. Like I, I think Leo's right. I think there might be loading screens for the subway tram or whatever. Yeah. But otherwise, you never leave that world unless you press the pause button. And so that's why it's exciting for them to be on new gen only to, in yes. theory, be using the SSD, SSDs to not have any loading for the big remake yeah, slash reboot true. of Dead Space here. Um, but very exciting. Like they're saying all the right things. They know their messaging. So they said like, Hey, we have a community council. We're checking out everything by them. They're telling us where we're going wrong. We're not having microtransactions. They're trying to like get all the messaging out there that this seems like a fan dream project. Uh, so it's exciting. And as Kyle alluded to a couple times, uh, we are doing the deepest dive on Dead Space 1. So if you want to go back and play that original game along with us and along with the MinMax community, you can go to patreon.com slash MinMax with two ends to submit a comment on the game's first half. In this first discussion, we're covering the game's first six chapters. And that is going to be on Monday, July 26th is when we'll be looking for your comments that we'll read on air for our big group discussion. Should be a good time. And then we'll be doing the second half of the game the, the week after that. But if you go support us on Patreon, you can unlock the podcast version of that huge game club discussion for Dead Space because it's available on Game Pass, Steam, good old games on sale right now for five bucks, PS3. You can play any which way, but it's a good time to go back and check out Dead Space. Mentioning DLC for Dead Space not being a thing, I hope they just make it integrated then because there was a steampunk gun that you could get for 80 Microsoft points on the original Dead Space. Really? I'm I'm reading now, so hopefully they honor (laughs) that. There was like a, there was a armor, I guess they call it armor in the game uh, that you could get where you looked very, you were like legally distinct, but very close to a stormtrooper. I think that might've been paid. Oh, well. really? <laughs> ah, well, yeah. EA yeah. could do that better now. More easily. Oh, Even yeah. better. Uh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this game is marketed and rolled out along with Callisto Protocol, which is that game that's technically in the PUBG universe from Glenn Schofield's new studio. Um, and he was, you know, obviously a huge part of that original Dead Space as well. So now there's going to be the Dead Space spiritual successor and the reboot of Dead Space. I'm sorry, remake of Dead Space, like competing for that territory. But it'll be fun to see how they how they interact marketing wise. Hey, we all win. We all more horror. win. Stuff going wrong in space is scary. Give me more of those. That's right. Oh, man. Where do we go next? Where do we go next? Kyle, we World should talk about. What's that, Leo? The world's our oyster. We could go anywhere. It's honestly true. That is literally true. But just to keep it thematically consistent, Kyle, we should talk a little bit about Aliens Fireteam Elite. Why would you think they're thematically consistent? I can't think of any reason. <laughs> but this is the Left 4 Dead-like game, uh, the co-op experience in the Aliens universe. Kyle and I got to check out a preview build. Uh, Cold Iron Studios sent a code over, so we got to play as a little trifecta because it's three-person units, the future of all co-op. And we only played a bit uh so not very thorough impressions here but kyle i'll give my take and you tell me where i'm wrong surprisingly solid better than i thought Ah! and your take is 
<laughs> uh, I agree with you. I although my one counter, I guess I would remove the surprisingly because like I I I was like super on board when they first showed it, and I I thought it looked pretty cool. Like the premise is good. Like it was one of those things where like it got announced. It was like, of course there should be a leopard oh, yeah. style game where you're fighting xenomorphs. Like why doesn't this exist already? And right. like those are cool aliens to fight in a scary setting with teammates. So, and it, and it, and the left for dead inspired games do have that scary problem, you know, not in world, but where they are in danger of being non-functional because they are very complicated games. But I think our experience was, was solid. Like, I don't think we really had a lot of technical issues, really. I don't I don't remember anything standing out. No, no, it's still a preview build and all that fun stuff. But yeah, it, it seemed, it seemed good. It's, um, the idea of, oh, aliens, xenomorphs, those are perfect for fighting in this style game. The one catch is, like, the silhouettes all a little bit similar. Something like Left 4 Dead or those style games are so clear. For like, okay, this style enemy, this style enemy. But we had a lot of the situations, like, okay, you're killing a lot of xenomorphs. And then you'd have that moment of, oh, okay, this is a xenomorph warrior. It's kind of like a xenomorph, but he's standing up 20% more than the other type of xenomorph. So we need to be careful of this one. Um, but they also have, like, you know, these pop with extra acid so they're gonna be glowing green so they're doing everything they can to try and differentiate it without just having every type of species of fusion of the xenomorph in there but leo are you intrigued by this thing yeah that's interesting i wonder if that has to do with just struggles with the license of like not being able to go too far off model for a xenomorph that's interesting but uh, yeah i'm always interested in a left for dead type of thing if my friends get into it first and beg me to get it yeah that's definitely going to be the big thing with this game and it's coming out august 24th and I hate to catch this refrain. I feel like, Janet, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like this is becoming the new, oh, this should come on Switch. But like, this is a game where it's like, if this was on Game Pass, I feel like it would really mop up. It could really use that Game Pass boost. They haven't announced it yet, but who knows when third parties see that line and do the math and realize like, yep, let's throw it into that bucket. I hope more games at least do the thing where it's like, has like a free trial like a 10 day like I, we kind of saw that with knockout city where it kind of allowed you to get into it for a bit right just at, just to see what if you like it because i do think it is that thing where if you don't if you and your friends don't like it like i've heard so many stories of people being like i really like this one multiplayer game but no one else did so i just can't play it so i do think I'd like to see that be a little bit more of a wave for games like this. I think it is to everyone's benefit. Yeah, for sure. Because I think it's a tall order to be like, okay, everybody, you just got to convince two of your friends to play this co-op game. Meanwhile, there's so many Left 4 Dead likes that are already on Game Pass or available for cheaper elsewhere. I mean, Left 4 Dead itself is probably $2.99 on Steam now. You can play it in handheld like everyone's been dreaming about for so many years with the Steam Deck now. Um, I I think that license will carry it a little further than most. You're right. You know what I mean? I mean... Yeah, and just I don't know. Just seeing like you could just see some gameplay and just like, you know, it's it is full whole. You know, it is completely that scene from Aliens Two with the radar. Like that's the game. Like, who wouldn't want to play that? You know. <laughs> yeah, we did have a moment of playing it of being like, oh god, they're coming from behind. All right, and it's like, oh, that's right. We should be checking the radar. Like the signature thing from Aliens. We should absolutely be doing in this third person game. Yeah, um, but yeah, we had a good time with it. Like, uh, there's the weird stuff. Uh, where they have emotes, they have like dances you can unlock and stuff like that, but we didn't find anything too shattering from our experience, but they have like a hub area, kind of like a deep rock galactic where you're running around. It seems like they're trying to build up the personalities a little bit of some of those characters there, and they're trying to seed, you know, a little bit of story into each of these missions. Like, oh, you got to go rescue the doctor to get down this way, but 
Kyle, was that intriguing to you at all? Like the, the atmospherics or is it just, ah, I just kind of want to shoot a bunch of xenomorphs here. I mean, I, it, I think it could be, I, I, it's, it's something I would like to see in the game, but in like a beta situation where it's like, I'm fully focused on just seeing how it feels and plays. Yeah. Like I'm not, it, it's tough to even talk about it for me from the story perspective from there. Cause it's like, I, I just, I literally don't want to know the story when I'm playing the beta because it's going to be different by the, the time the game comes out. And it's like, I don't want to get invested in any way into anything that's happening because it's going to be months before I can see it to resolution, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, August 24th is when that's coming out, but better than I was expecting. Seems solid if you're looking for that Left 4 Dead Aliens-like experience. Yeah. So I'm curious also, to see Also classes, like there's not yeah. a lot of classes in these types of games. I mean, I, th- I think there's... Some have experimented with, you know, you can each take a different gun, but this, you know, like you were playing the medic. I was, what was I? I was the demolitionist the or something. demolisher, the gunner, the gun. tech and yeah. the doc. Yeah, kind of the, the four biggies out of the gate. And yeah, the doc <laughs> took some getting used to. I, was like, I feel like I wasn't helping as much as I could because like, I used my medic stuff once and uh, it takes a while before you get another one to pop out there. But yeah, but we did it. We beat a mission, Kyle. We did. We did we it. Saved the day. Thank you. Um, Leo, do you want to talk about Battlefield 2042? Oh, sure. Okay. So this was at the EA Play thing. Um, they've been slowly trickling out more and more. And the big star of the show this time around is Battlefield 2042's Portal mode, Kyle. It's called Portal. EA did publish the orange box on PlayStation 3. Is that does this all ah. come together here? I think it's probably connected in some way. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> Leo, could you describe what we were looking at with this portal mode? All your favorite maps from the last, like, five Battlefield games. Yeah. All your favorite armies. Mix and match them, baby. Make them go defibrillator only versus <laughs> knives only. Weird crap like that. It's so One team's all bomb disposal robots or whatever. It that looks pretty funky. Totally. Okay, so it's uh, that's the best way to put it. It's a funky, playful mode in Battlefield called Portal, confusingly, where they're mashing together a bunch of different eras of Battlefield. They're going to be adding more games along the way. Like, yeah, it's like, okay, you have 1942 style weapons and soldiers and they're going to be battling with 2042. And then we got some Battlefield 5 in there. We got, or not Battlefield 5, Battlefield 3 is going to be in there. So it's basically just an endless box for them to throw in more Battlefield toys, but not in a Battle Royale style way, which is interesting. It's like, it's fun to have something this wacky and silly, but yeah, not and player just, created, if that's not clear. Like, right. They give you the tools and the player makes the modes. And it seems, it seems more along the lines of Overwatch's custom content than anything. Right. But still, like, it blew my mind that they actually have, like, a logic editor. Yeah. It. Like, it seemed surprisingly complex, but they make clear, like, it's not a le- level editor. It seems like it's south of, like, a Halo Forge, but still somewhere in that arena, just if you want some good, silly Battlefield experiences... Uh, this might be a good way to go. And I, I'm intrigued. I think it's a really cool idea just to get silly. It, it adds a lot of value to a $70 multiplayer only game to have that kind of like a, a area for infinite content. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Jan, I think there's any chance you're going to get into Battlefield 2040s too? Yeah. I mean, the chances are always pretty low because it's like an intensive shooty shoots game. You know, I was talking mm. about like on my stream, I'm like, yeah, I don't really do the shooty shoots. So, you know, this 
probably not everyone's like do you play apex and i'm like nope you know and i'm just kind of here hanging out but then in the same uh vein i was like looking up um like highly rated games from this year like at the end of the stream and someone's like oh metro is cool but like you probably wouldn't want to play it because it's a shoot shoot and i'm like oh no i love that game metro exodus was great so you never know you never know what goes down i I will say that that mode was the most intriguing to me because it just seems like the dumbest thing i really like when games that lean a little bit heavier into the sim elements of their genre battlefield definitely being one with like the bullet drop and you know it has other functionality that makes it a unique shooter but then it's like what if we take all these serious things and then make it like hyper dumb like when they shut off the mode of like that's basically um the army the military version of can a bunch of ducks defeat a giant horse was what they were leaning into with that like tank versus like all the little machines um i think that element's pretty cool i was into like the logic element i i liked the recent wave of games providing player autonomy in terms of creation like kind of you know making your own fun while also like providing interesting elements i think i think games have really started to real or developers have really started to realize that you need both like you can't just have like the fun level editor thing you need that's why mario maker had like the campaign sort of thing dreams eventually end up coming out with the campaign even though they originally said they wouldn't like you see a bunch of different of these iterations um i am curious as to how like complex the logic is to pick up because i you know at quick glance it's very drag and drop coding like if you've ever done like if you've ever taken a coding class as a child uh usually or maybe even like i'm sure some adult ones are like this too because like learning if then logic is like fundamental to understanding how to code i think right let me know if i'm wrong um (laughs) but like i because i used to i used to teach drag and drop coding and like you could do it with kids that could barely even read if it's at a very low level this kind of looked more like high school level under like you know like if you're old enough to kind of understand basic stuff you should be able to kind of parse it out but i'm curious as to like what the tutorialization of that looks like because since it does have like the logic underneath it it's a little bit more involved in something like a mario maker where it still can be complex but you're really just putting things in places and clicking i want you to do this like mario maker is actually a lot more like a like a child like a young child's coding thing even though i can't make levels i'm not saying it's not hard to make levels <laughs> right, like, right right i started a level on a plane that i never finished but i'm excited to see what what silly stuff people make i think it could be really cool yeah i think it's a really smart way to just to have people in the community pushing the limits of mixing and matching things setting up a cu- custom rule set just for you know not to be a mr corporate here but it's like i mean getting attention for those types of things i think is going to be big if people are sharing clips of like these absurd matchups and scenarios i feel like that's going to be the best marketing battlefield could hope for i want to developers make too yeah it's like they for a couple games they were doing you know we are the definitive world war ii experience or whatever and it was still goofy but it was kind of marketed as you know these war stories or this real experience you're getting and now in this cinematic they staged a youtube clip of like launching right. a tank up into the air and shooting a ship or whatever. Like they're so clearly finally leaning into that aspect of the game, which has always been the most successful part of it, at least from the outside, not being a serious player. Yeah, they've always done like the celebrating battlefield moments. Look at these crazy battlefield moments. But you're right. That's always had a weird disconnect then when there's three narrative cinematic trailers and it's all about like, I watched my brother die today. It's like, I, I don't really know how to read this. So it seems like this is maybe just not having a campaign. has kind of stripped out that pretense from the marketing, at least for Battlefield 2042. But yeah. Yeah. Curious to see how it does. Um, and Leo, you said you're getting into Battlefield 5 recently, which is blowing my mind. <laughs> it's great. It's a, I, love, I love it for being such a high player count, which is, I'm excited for 128 players in Battlefield 2042. That's yeah. insane. The idea that it's, you know, 
it's not on me. Whichever way this match goes, <laughs> there's so many people here that there's only so much of impact I can even have on it. Right. I can just I like, have lack my... of accountability on a team. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> That's Whatever huge. happens, yeah, who's to say? You would have been great. Say. You would have been great in the front all, lines of World War II. As long as we had fun, we're all winners, right? That's Battlefield. Yeah, all three of the fun's <laughs> exactly. fun. That's why I say every match I play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, so you're just running around being the medic and having a blast? Yeah, and and you know, trying to do side things like there's always these main battles going on, and that yeah. feels amazing. Like having you know planes crash into the ground right next to you, and f- using the debris as cover like crazy, huge feeling crap like that. But also, you know, I'm gonna take my squad and we're gonna go on this side mission because they've left this objective undefended, and doing something like that that seems a, like a surprisingly big tide turner in this massive battle. Like yeah. the little decisions you can make are really fun. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, maybe we can put it in a poll for New Show Plus or something because it'd be fun to all try to get back into Battlefield 5, give it another chance. Um, who all has been playing Death's Door here? I have. Hands up. Okay, um, Leo, I can't see your hand. Are they just up a little bit? or They're both straight down. Oh, okay, floor. cool, cool. Um, Death's Door. They're like bird wings at his side. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, I'm A-posing right now. I'm getting the cosplay already. <laughs> uh, Death Door, we talked about a little bit on, I think during like the E3 awards, uh, we're talking about like the most promising upcoming games because they showed it a little bit there and it's just the action looks so solid and it's out and people really seem to be enjoying it a lot. Um, so this is an action RPG is probably the best way to put it. Action adventure game, Zelda-like Kyle, how would you describe what the hell's going on with Death Door? Mm, just I, I I would almost just call it a straight action game with maybe a little bit of puzzle solving. It actually the game that it reminds me of a lot, and this is very high praise because I really adore this game, uh, which has made me like Death Store a lot, is Hyper Light Drifter. Like really? it feels close to that in a weird way because it's all about like. You have a simple move set of like you can swipe and you can get out of the way and then you can get back in and swipe and get out of the way. And that's like that's what Hyperlight Drifter traded on in a big way. And uh, it's it has been one where you you uh, we, we we received a code and I was like, yeah, I'll check it out if I have time. And it was one of those situations where I like booted it up and it was like two and a half hours later. I had stayed up super late. I had played it way too much. I was very tired. And it's not even like a particularly innovative game. It's just super solid. It's just like really well designed. It feels good. It looks good. You know, it, it just really pulls you in quickly. It's just like simple enough of having the action of, okay, you're going to have a lot of dodging. You have, you can shoot arrows, but you can only shoot at the beginning. You can only shoot four and you need to actually attack uh, with your melee to restock your arrows, Leo. So it's a weird system where it's like, you can't just sit back and just hit those over and over again. Like you need to get in there and recharge things by at least trying to swing at something before you can sit back again and maybe take another pot shot. But it's just a lot of really smart, tight, small systems. Um, but yeah, maybe I'm like in the second area, almost to the boss in the second area, but it's like a shorter game. I think it's like six hours, but Janet, how's this sitting with you so far? I'm really into it. I mean, um, obviously, it's getting super high praise everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I think Kyle nailed it. Like, it's it's not that it's reinventing the wheel. It's just really good at what it does. It kind of reminds me of, um, okay, not not genre similarity, but in terms of quality, Little Nightmares 2, where I know that's a game I feel like not a lot of people had talked about when it came out. Yeah. But I'm like, this is, really, this is really good at what it's doing. Like, this is better than the first one. Like, I'm happy with it. And that's probably still on my top 10 list for the year. Um, I feel like this one's similar. Might hit a little bit higher because I think it has what it really thrives on is the charm of the world. Like, I think, you know, there's not a lot of writing in it, but I think the little bit of writing there is is 
quite amusing and funny. Um, like you'll you kind of have um, sort of like a hub area that you branch out from. So you have these checkpoints in the form of doors. Funny, I played the first two hours and every time there was a door, I'm like, it's death's door. <laughs> like, I would it. say that over and over again until eventually like they were like, that's the door. And I'm like, this is the door, y'all. This is the door <laughs> we're looking one. for. Um, door. Yeah. Uh, and it has like a, a very simplistic upgrade system, which I really appreciate that in games in general. The OST is amazing. And it has just like a lot of great um, presentation elements. Like the visuals aren't like you know, crazy next gen or anything, but it's really nicely stylized. There's some cool things happening with like the foreground perspective wise. It sort of has that like, uh, I don't know what you, I don't want to call it isometric. Cause it's not like it's zoomed it's out. It's just a like depth of field like type of thing. Yeah. Sort of semi it's not literally top down, but it's like slightly angled. Uh, we yeah. can see a lot of the playing field. And it's funny because playing it, you know, my brother's like, oh, is this like Hades? Because he would see there were these moments where you will end up um, kind of boxed into an arena and have to defeat a few waves of enemies. So it kind of has like a little bit of a battle arena vibe, which I'm like, that element's similar. I'm like, it's not like the same game, but elements of this, the speed and the hyper focus did remind me of that, which well, I did enjoy. Yeah, even like with the Hades thing, too, it's interesting because it's like it's all about the afterlife right uh, you play this little crow who's basically death and you're going out to collect souls um but then like going back to the main afterlife bureaucracy area to slowly get your upgrades and stuff like it does have kind of that you know hades like structure i guess we're just returning to that spot even though it's more of okay not going to be procedurally generated not a roguelike here you're actually trying to defeat all these bosses and conquer these different areas but I, yeah, I've really been surprised by just like how it'll shake things up, even like the second area compared to the first, because the first is like, okay, feels like it's going to be very Zelda-ish, and the second is like, okay, it's inside, a little bit smaller, a little bit more puzzly, if you want to put it that way. It's got a really sweet vibe. I, it's definitely going to be an indie gem of the year, all that fun stuff. Um, it's funny, Janet, just real quick that you mentioned Little Nightmares too, because that area that you're talking about, Hanson, where you're going after the witch and you're yeah. in her house... It looks like identical to the Little Nightmares mobile game, which also has you moving through an isometric house and like chasing a boss. Like you see the boss a couple times over the course of the game and you're kind of smaller in like a larger house. It's just wild how much I was like, because I just after beating Little Nightmares 2, I kind of went back and, and played the mobile game and stuff. And it was just funny that I was like, man, this really reminds me of, the, of all things, the Little Nightmares mobile game. <laughs> weird. Weird. Yeah, the dark styles are in. Even that like Lost in Random games got that good, dark Tim Burton-y style. It's like, this is this is the vibe. Something like cute characters in like a dark world. Also, mm-hmm. there's some like goofy stuff in that, that's kind of in the game too. Like again, very early, but you know, I picked up an umbrella and they're like, here's an umbrella. It's a terrible weapon, but like it could keep right, you dry in the rain and right. i'm like oh, I, I don't know if they're gonna like use that for anything super significantly mechanical um but i think what what draws me into exploring the world so much is that it just is pretty to look at and just interesting enough because so far the puzzles haven't been like super crazy it's a lot of like find the switch and hit the switch or like right, right. i guess i can shoot my arrow and like you know fire up this thing and i'm like i got this i played the pathless which if you're listening to this and haven't you should also play the pathless because it's a damn good game mm. um but it, it has just enough to like draw me in where like it's a six hour game but i saw a lot of people tweeting like oh it's six hours but i'm like 12 hours in i'm like this is i could definitely see myself spending a lot of time in this game because it's just an interesting fun world and i feel like i'll be rewarded in you know items or checking out like how the areas change or you know you can kind of see it has a almost a little bit of like metroidvania vibes in the sense that i'll see things and i'm like okay i can probably drop a ladder later or i could probably get 
you know, early on, they're like, oh, let's if you're strong enough, you can try to kill me later. And I'm like, OK, mental note, like build up strength, like combat. So it has a little bit of that loop as well without without feeling like you're totally stuck in an area or, or struggling to make progress yeah. in it. It's, it's all about opening shortcuts to make moving yeah. from point A to point B quicker. Yeah. Which yeah. is a re- rewarding for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, Kyle, are you frustrated with checkpoints? How are you doing on that? Is it just making those runs is kind of part of the gaming uh, lexicon at this point from the from the Souls games? Not that this game is a Souls game, but there's a couple times here where it's like, okay, pretty long checkpoints where I'm running back to the boss here. Yeah, it's... I, I actually ran into this thing where there there's a keyholes that you can just go interact with and it'll open mm. shortcuts for you. I didn't realize I thought I needed keys, so I like ignored a mm-hmm. bunch of them and I was like I was going on really long runs uh fighting the end boss and stuff. Or not the end boss, but the witch. And uh but it was then then I was like then I realized my mistake. So now I think it's great, you know, oh, compared okay. to what I was doing. It's like it's it's nothing. Oh, perfect. All right. Maybe we need to learn the map a little bit better. Cause it definitely is a game where it'll reward you to learn the map, find those shortcuts, get used to the layout, yeah, find those areas where you but can come back to. It's also it, it 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 is annoying to have like you gotta run a long time to get back to where you were, but the shortcuts element, like it is rewarding to open yeah. a shortcut and be like, Oh, if I have to make that run again, I can bypass a lot of this stuff now. That's nice. You know? Yeah. So it's like you kind of have a uh, sort of a little bit of a negative experience so that the reward is more ends up being a much more positive experience, which is a tough uh, tightrope to walk in video games for sure. Right. One part yeah. where I did get like, kind of lost, like I, I was trying to fight, it's in that same area where like the, like the witches area basically you know it was in her house but it was like the outer area and i was trying to fight like there's like kind of a mini boss that has like a giant um what's it called it has like a spiky thing at the top y'all know what i'm talking about like a mace is yeah. it yeah i know it works about, yeah. yeah yeah i was trying to to fight that and i was having a really hard time with it so i had to try it a couple times but i kept like not knowing how to get there i'm like okay wait it's straight <laughs> down and then to the bre- like i would go like i'd fight like 30 and then at one point too uh spoilers for the game it, you cannot just run away from people they will just follow you and keep spawning i have like 80 people i'm like i'm just trying oh, yeah. to try this again i'm just trying to get to where i need to go and you know eventually once i learned the layout a little bit more i'm like oh it's like not that far at all but I'm not sure how often that will happen to me or if that's, you know, a, a personal thing of me just being dumb in that area. But um, that's a little a, a slight, a very slight cause for concern. Um, the more thing I have beef with is the lack of health bar. And someone did point out to me online that there's like cracks, like colored, like red glowing cracks. The oh, more. On, the, on the bad oh, guys? On the enemies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, on the enemies. But I'm just like... Uh, like that's if you could just give me a health because like that's the thing that kills you like lack of patience always kills you but I'm just like I just want to know how much you know you have a light and a heavy attack I'm like where I would just like to have a health bar I would like all game bosses to have health bars very personal thing right. but not too many complaints uh, overall with the game it's it's pretty pretty darn good I'm enjoying it a lot yeah yeah it's it's rock solid I'm curious to see how difficult it gets I'm challenged a little bit already but i'm also very bad at action games and i did i uh, went to metacritic and control f search for the word challenging and it was all over the place so i'm bracing for impact of this thing to get brutal by the end but uh yeah, it seems cool so yeah it's from acid nerve who are the developers at titan souls here uh hmm. death's door is the name of that game it's on what's well, an xbox console exclusive but not on game pass and then it's also on steam if you want to pick it up there um Leo, the time has come. Death Junior. For Death Junior. Discussion. Let's talk all about it. Favorite Death Junior memories, Kyle. Go. 
uh, the interview with the director where he said he wanted Death Jr. to be huge. And he's like, I want it to be a cartoon show. I want merchandise. I want this thing to blow up. Will we see and a Death Jr. reboot in our lives? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. All right. Bold take. Leo, yeah. whisper the most cursed words you could say on a gaming podcast. I dare you. <laughs> Let's talk about your favorite game of the week. Roblox. Oh, my skin's crawling. Leo likes Roblox. Uh-huh. Uh, I knew you didn't really want to talk about it. No, I do. I'm very curious about this because I, I have not given it enough of a chance. Uh, Ana Diaz, I believe, talked about Roblox a couple times on this podcast. But you've gotten into it and specifically one mode, which is it should be up my alley. I've been streaming Roblox every few weeks for a while just because it's really great for stream viewers to be able to hop into what you're doing for free. Yeah. And on any computer and on mobile, like it's crazy. And it's oh, there's a lot of really fun stuff in there. But I found what is the most fun I've had in there by far, which is a mode called Outlaster, which is a survivor. Exactly. <laughs> like <laughs> it's, It was really fun because I bought a little private server for like two bucks for the month let all the stream viewers come in and then they elected captains and then me and the other captain who were both in the voice chat on the stream picked teams like took turns picking players from the stream chat essentially and then doing challenges which are like parkour challenges or memory challenges puzzles like all kinds of different challenges that are really fun and the losing team has to vote to kick someone off and you have to go based on performance for a while, but then you've got more rivalries going on and alliances forming. And there were just so many twists and turns and so many memorable arcs for characters that I would just recognize going throughout, like almost getting kicked off, clutching and getting immunity. There are like immunity idols and stuff. You can play at oh the voting God. ceremony. How do you find it those? It is crazy deep. How do you What's find that? the idols? You can find them between minigames while the other team is voting by like looking for clues in the environment or else you can buy them, which I think you can buy with real money currency. Oh, God, that's a disaster. <laughs> but if you're like playing but not immunity, with a- but just like, you know, immunity for someone else or things like that. OK, but yeah, if you're just playing with like a group, like it does feel like it could be the greatest version of Survivor now because they made like a Survivor game back when the TV show first launched. And I have it on PC. I've been meaning to stream it, but it's just like a collection of mini games. It's not what you want. And like this idea of, you know, not exactly among us, but having just like those social dynamics build up in a more structured way, I think is really smart. It's real clashing personalities with like interesting mechanics for eliminating people and people coming back in redemption challenges you know i got kicked off and then finally after you know 20 minutes of waiting for me an hour and a half of waiting for some other people it was like here's your chance and one person will win this and come back in and it's just the most thrilling thing in the world like it was a two and a half hour game for you know 30 people or so 15 on each team and i was just there were moments where I was screaming, <laughs> jaw dropped in shock, laughing my arse <laughs> off plenty of times. It, it was, was crazy emotional. It was like the high points of your favorite reality shows, except you're living up. It's truly incredible. That's amazing. Do you think it was just like this once in a lifetime fun social thing that happened? Or are you going to keep going back to Survivor and Roblox? We'll find out. I'm going to stream it again this Sunday. Okay. And we'll see if it was a fluke or not. A miraculously good match. 
But yeah, that's you, youtube.com slash leovader or twitch.tv slash leovader.com D-O-T-C on. There we go. Um, so is there like a minimum amount of people? Like I'm interested in this just because I love Survivor. Like how many of my friends should I rally to try and get this role in? Like what's, what's viable for the total number? I would bet 10 you could go with. Okay. For sure. I don't know about any less than that. But, you know, once you get. Yeah, that's the challenge. Yeah. I'll send out a call. Once you get down to it, it like stops being teams, you know, it turns into a free for all. Right. So maybe you could just start in that zone. Is it. um, It's got to be some jank, right? Like, Kyle, you've seen Roblox. Every time I look at Roblox, it's always like, oh, this is a cute little attempt at something. But like, is that just part of the charm that you get used to? Is just it's going to be a weird, janky version of this. If it's your first Roblox experience, yes. Okay. If you've played a lot of Roblox, you'll be blown away by how good this <laughs> thing looks. <laughs> like the voting ceremony is a cinematic with different shots <laughs> and everything. Cutting to the the you know, the host opening up the votes and flipping them and showing them to the camera one at a time. <laughs> and amazing. when somebody gets kicked off, they just hand in their torch or whatever to the host and they've got you get a close up on them and they can, you know, type in the text box, screw you guys or whatever. Or, you know, I had a great time, made some lifelong friends and then they run away. Uh, Kyle, I, my, you- my Roblox is like a huge staple for my kid. And like every time I look at it, it's something weird and different. And the most recent one that I, I walked in and saw what she was doing, she was like a realistic cat. And there was like all these <laughs> realistic cats like in they were just like hanging out outside and she was like it was almost like Go a on. scene from the lion king where she was like on top of a rock and there were all these cats around i'm like what are you playing and she's like oh i'm i'm the leader of the house cats there's a couple other uh different uh cat groups there's like the feral cat group in the other side and she was like yeah it's just you know an rpg i happen to be the leader these are all my cats here and Amazing. it's all like real life players it's just like that platform is bizarre. Like yeah. it is crazy how it, like innovative people are have become within it. It's so strange. Yeah, I can't wrap my mind around it. But maybe this is my entry point: combining Survivor with Roblox. It's like that'll be the catnip to get me in this door. Um, all right, so go download Roblox for free, everybody, and check out Out Outlaster. Outlaster, yeah. Outlaster, perfect. Um, let's see. I played a little bit of Pokemon Unite, the new Pokemon MOBA. That is uh, tearing it up on Switch. Also another free game. Um, I hate to say this, Janet. It's uh, yeah. It might get you into MOBAs. Like, I'm not into MOBAs really myself, go but download it. I think you should. Because I just played like the tutorial in one game and I had a moment of like, I'm enjoying this. It is just simple enough. Like maybe I've been missing out on this whole MOBA fad. I mean, with the year the Switch is happen- having right now, what what's my alternative? Yeah. It's true. I mean, tell me what's the on Switch that's good besides Bravely Default Two from this year. Uh, you know, you got Mario 3D, Skyward uh, Sword, Metal Stars, oh, Skyward Sword just came out. There I we mean, go. the fact that that's maybe the clear answer I think speaks volumes to the Switch's year this year. So. <laughs> yeah, it's had stronger, sure. but it's, it. it's about to get stronger again. They got the Pokemon remakes in the fall and stuff, and this like yeah, I mean, Metroid, Metroid carry the team. Like the- honestly, yeah, very well. Off the bench to save the day, you love to see it. But no, I mean, what? How? What about it? Do you think makes it potentially approachable for people that are outside the genre? It's simple. It's simple, and your best friends from Pokemon are in it. Uh, You can run around as Snorlax. You can. There's a lot of Charmanders out there. What's that? Is Wooloo there? I don't think so. 
it is funny just to see who's in there now because it's like the perfect platform where they can continue to build it and just the more they add pokemon because they have quite a few to add and it's just going to be a constant drip for people that are very into this but it's funny to see like who are just the the chumps of the pokemon universe like we got (laughs) for basically the creeps that you're going out just to farm and stuff like apom is the big one like why is he he's like the bottom of the tier i thought it'd be like a rattata or something out there but i guess he's like the new age rattata for the kids but I feel like an idiot even trying to talk about Pokemon Unite, so I'm going to spend more time with it, and then we'll get Serial to play it as well, who has poured thousands of hours into Dota, because I'm sure he'd have some much more interesting hot takes. But, Kyle, if you had to predict Pokemon Unite and the overall success for a free Pokemon MOBA on Switch now, going to be on phone soon, do you think this is going to be a juggernaut? Uh, no, but I, it will have its audience that will keep it alive, and I will get press release emails once a month that are like, hey, here's what's <laughs> happening in Pokemon United yeah. this month. And okay. I'll be like, oh, people are getting into that. I mean, it it's, does... It's teams of three, right? Or how big is it? It's five on five. Oh, yeah. I'm actually hearing you talk about it now. I Because I asked my daughter if she wanted to play it and she was too too busy being a cat in Roblox. No time for Pokemon United. Yeah. She's but, got uh, her people to lead. Exactly. And I'm not going to try to <laughs> pull her away from that. But uh, I do, I was wondering, I was like, I wonder if this would be a good one for me, my wife, and my daughter to all download and just play totally. sitting on the couch together, you know, and it might, it might be. Totally. Uh, you know, Tencent cool. made it. Uh, that said, like in terms of Pokemon mobile games or the Pokemon spinoff games, you know, outside of like a, a dungeon game or something, like the production in this is a lot better than I was expecting uh ui wise characters all that stuff like okay they put some money into this i'm very curious to see how it all shakes out it's, but. Half, it's half downloaded now oh so. good yeah you can okay. play during community questions <laughs> um, just get it go maybe i don't even know what i have no idea what to expect i know so little about the moba genre that will always be interesting you literally can't fail they're trying to like th- make this one feel a little bit more like a soccer match or something where you're not like trying to tear down towers it's like you build up points like janet's magic word right exactly yeah you're building up points soccer but i don't like rocket league weird i know oh yeah that it's a disgrace to soccer (laughs) it's so floaty like i love car i'm like car is good soccer good just no i didn't and everyone says that like i only don't like it because i'm bad at it and Mm. i am bad at it but like what do you mean like so there's no way to win i'm like what am i supposed to do here and this i just i can't win in this situation yeah that's tough but yeah check it out we'll talk about it later um kyle real quick chris tales oh sure you've been watching a little bit of that game yeah i've been watching a lot of it be played my my wife and daughter are playing it. it's their game that they're like playing together now and that game is freaking gorgeous man that game looks so good it's almost like i'm almost i think i'm enjoying it more as just a passive observer than i would be if i were actively playing because the animation is just incredible it's ridiculous so it is an indie rpg from dreams incorporated i think they're colombian i think which is like on the front of uh, the billing for game pass because it's in game pass but it's an indie rpg that is combining kind of the gameplay and combat of Paper Mario, but then the UI in combat is the Persona 5 UI. Uh, <laughs> and then the art style is gorgeous. It's kind of Tartakovsky, Kyle. I don't How else would you describe what the hell is going on here? Just really stellar 2D animation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was a... The game from the Skullgirls folks, Invincible. Right, right. Kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Like, they're definitely, they play differently and they look a lot different. But just like, hey, 
we're going to do some of the best 2D animation in video games. Like, that's sort of their, the MO of both of those games, you know? Yeah. And it's awesome to look at. It's, is it a pun on crystals? It is, yeah. It's all about crystals uh, for this. Well, there's also all those pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> there's a bunch of characters like Chris. Like, they, they all have Chris as, like, a prefix for their name, there's too. There's like there's Yeah. Uh, Christopher, and then there's, like, a Chris something or other. Kringle. That's right. Yes, yeah. there you go, Kringle. Yeah, I played the first couple hours. I think I'm probably good. I'm really happy it exists. I think it's a great choice for Game Pass, even though it's available on absolutely everything. It's even on, on Switch there. Um, yeah. But it takes a lot to get me into an indie RPG. To have like this big experience, like, okay, I like the inspirations this game is pulling from. The music's great. Visually, it's awesome. But it really has to be like a wow RPG, I think, to get me through the whole thing. And like, there's small things, even playing on Steam... There's loading before every random battle. And like, mm. it's a small thing, but it's like, Kyle, what is this? Final Fantasy Origins on PlayStation 1? I mean, hello. Uh, it's like, it, that combined with just slightly too frequent random encounters, like, I, I don't like that. I don't like running around than just hitting a load and then going into this battle over and over and over again. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's cool. I mean, if those ingredients are up your alley, you should definitely check out some reviews, at least for Chris Tales, that whole RPG. Uh, two other quick things. Yeah. Uh, they have a character named Mario, which is like a bold choice in a video game to have a character in your game called Mario. Yeah. And they also have a character named Wilhelm, which it never occurred to me that that could, you know, be a person's name, even though, you know, it in pop culture, it, it it's named after a person, like Wilhelm Scream. That's right. Know? Like, Does I never... Scream? No, I don't think so. But it was just like, oh, yeah, I, I guess Wilhelm can just be a person's name. It does. Let's go. Maybe they don't want to get sued, you know? Like mm-hmm. is yeah. it the, it's the name of the dude who's screaming even, right? Yeah, Will he like is an actor, fell off a horse and screamed, right? Is where like where the, the scream comes from. He never stopped screaming. He was a notorious coward. And so everyone used to make fun of him. And then that one time he was captured. Well, this is now permanent in all films. Um Leo, did you see this Tom Clancy's X Defiant? You know it. One of the weakest names I've seen in the game industry for a while, but this is the new Ubisoft first-person or third-person? First-person shooter. Yes. Uh, where they're trying to combine a couple different Tom Clancy brands, and as Mr. Tom Clancy Rainbow Six himself, Leo, what do you have to say for yourself? Do they intend for people to call it XD for short? I and hope that's so. Cute. Yeah, the Ubisoft kind of edgy internet aesthetic. Well, that's the thing, because they describe it, everyone's making fun of them, because they described it as, what, a punk rock mosh pit of a team-based hero shooter. But then, like, the gameplay itself doesn't look that absurd. It doesn't look like it's trying to... I don't know. Am I nuts? It looks a little bit... No. This is something that's very worrying about the trajectory that Ubisoft is on. Because they made Hyperscape. Yeah. God bless them. Fine enough game. Yep. But, you know... Apex Legends was a little late to the Battle Royale party, it felt, at that time, long before Hyperscape. But they brought so much new with the idea of respawning amongst a bunch of other things. Quality of life things that other Battle Royales immediately tried to copy because they were such exciting changes to the formula. And Ubisoft, unless there's some big surprise they're holding back, it feels like they just want to chase these trends without adding the new things that get attention on it and they hope that make it worthwhile yeah in this case like oh it's tom clancy's world so they have some teams from the tom clancy universe that you might 
recognize and they'll be pulling from that but it is it does feel weird and late to introduce like our new 6v6 hero team shooter here we go but it's free to play seems like a big production and when they have so much success with something like rainbow six like maybe it's just them just assuming this audience will come if they nail it out of the gate i mean maybe that's my bitterness is like it's so hard to break into a make a successful competitive shooter on the level of you know millions of players and the fact that they already have one and its players are crying out in agony <laughs> year round about it not getting like enough attention yeah. from both content and from, you know, the game working properly, like them not continuously adding updates that make it unplayable. And, you know, just the other night we got a new patch in and I tried to play with my friends and it just reliably crashed my friend every single round and we just couldn't play that night. Oh my God. And that like, that's not the first time that's happened and it's, five six years into its existence it's so frustrating to see them sidestep instead of saying we're gonna make siege an actual engine that we can iterate on without destroying some random thing we had no idea it would and then make this a mode that's more deathmatchy even with different characters like adding that to the siege ecosystem because it has so many tens of millions of players i feel like that would be a much more exciting move for me versus this which just feels like i know it's free to play but still feels like a cash grab but isn't that what they're doing with uh the game that i want to call quarantine what is it called now extraction yeah rainbow six extractions to try and tie into that player base with rainbow six with something else that yeah sure that's true but that also is its own standalone thing that won't improve what siege is which i don't think siege is in a disastrous state but it's clear it needs more work and more resources. And it seems to be Ubisoft's most successful thing it has going right now. So it's continuously flabbergasting that they're not putting more into it. Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting take, yeah. Um, X Defiant, though, Kyle, do you know hmm. why you should be interested in this? No, I have no idea. Well, here's a reason. Uh, the director of this is Jason Schroeder or Schrader, I forget how you pronounce his last name, but he was the director of South Park Fractured But Whole because this is the Ubisoft San Francisco team, which I know I'm probably more into development than most of the people listening and watching this, but it's like, I'm just fascinated by that idea of they were gearing up with that studio. They went from Rocksmith to now they're making South Park Fractured But Whole, a game that I liked a lot, but seems like it did not make a big splash when it came out. And then Ubisoft San Francisco was hiring a lot of former Telltale talent. And it felt like they were building up for like another RPG or something more narrative focused like South Park was. And then somewhere along the lines, now they've pivoted so freaking hard. And now they brought in the producer, Mark Rubin used to be on Call of Duty. Um, and now they have South Park's director directing this 6v6 first person shooter. It's just a weird trajectory for that studio. But I'm happy to see him doing something. Eh, Kyle, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'd always hoped for them was like, uh, even if they weren't doing South Park, a continuing like comedy RPG path with the help of Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Like it would have been super fun to see them do something completely new. They both really like video games a lot. They're happy to make South Park stuff. It's their baby. But like it would have been cool to see them in the same way they made, you know, uh, the musical, like it would have been very cool to see them make a, something original in the video game space. And yeah, it seemed like, you know, that would have been the studio to do it. But yeah, yeah, things change. Thanks yeah, so. not to be too doomsay about it all, but it's it seems like Ubisoft has just blown up to such a massive scale that all they can afford to do is like these really broad projects 
that are meant to appeal to the most people possible. Like Division is going that way too, you know? We have that free-to-play Division coming up. Yeah. And, you know, I, it's not like they're making bad games or anything, but it's uh, interesting to see the path they're on. I'm a little more worried about it than I was a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, Less hey. experimental, right? Yeah. Right. That's something we can talk about in community questions. But before we get there, we should remind people that, Kyle, this whole thing exists because of... Viewers like you. Viewers like you and listeners like you and everyone that goes to patreon.com slash minmax with two ends and supports us at any tier, including people who support us at the bigger tier and they want to get a plug for anything on the podcast. They could plug uh, their business. Uh, you can plug your streams, your podcast, anything like that. We'd love to see it. So please jump in there and check out the tier that's right for you. And thank you to the fine folks at Hello Hyrule. Hello Hyrule is the premier Legend of Zelda travelogue podcast. In each hour-long episode, we take a deep dive into a new location of the series starting with Skyward Sword and ask the hard-hitting questions like, do Bokoblins have feelings? Is Skyward Sword's story a retelling of Jack and the Beanstack? Beanstalk? And, <laughs> and Jack of beans. is Time Magnets? Which is a great question. Whether you're about to revisit Skyward Sword with the upcoming remaster or you're visiting Skyloft for the first time, this play-along podcast is the perfect travel companion for you. So grab your sword and your sunscreen because tours are open today here on Hello Hyrule, available wherever you find your podcasts. Hello Hyrule is not responsible for any food poisoning experience while listening. Also, thanks to our fine folks at I Am 8-Bit, who have been huge supporters of ours for a very long time. They want everybody to know about the vinyl soundtrack to Tell Me Why in their wonderful online store. Uh, this album looks beautiful. It has a quilt-themed cover art, which has to be seen to be believed. It has a great style to it. Definitely go check this out. The music's by Ryan Lott. The album art is by Theo Randall. And the vinyl soundtrack also comes with the digital download, and you can use the promo code BOTTLEROCKET, all one word, promo code bottle rocket all one word for 10 percent off anything in i'm 8-bit's wonderful online store and because i'm 8-bit's very generous they're going to ship out as a prize to the best question of the week watam on playstation that indie game watam they get a physical version of watam and they're shipping this out to whoever we deem has the best question submitted over on patreon.com slash minmax so everybody look alive here okay first question here we go ben shively is in here. He leaves a question over on Patreon and he says, wow, wasn't that trailer for the new Dead Space amazing? Ben wrote that before the trailer was revealed, so you're very cheeky, <laughs> Ben. Um, it was good. Not a lot to it. it, was, it, it looked, very exciting, but it yeah, nice. I would like to see some gameplay. Uh, <laughs> it's probably going to be a while. Uh, anyways, Ben says, while EA and similar companies do occasionally make games that aren't surefire successes, like it takes two, do you think we'll hit a point where these companies exclusively make their giant moneymaker franchises? Like a dystopian future where EA only makes sports games and Activision only makes Call of Duty. And I guess, Leo, to go back to you, it'd be Ubisoft only makes... X-Defiant. X-Defiant 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. That's right. Um, That's extreme. I think there's always going to be a little bit of those ebbs and flows you're always going to have that little bit of a bounce back like ea to have that moment of like yes we're cranking out the hits we got our fifa and we got our maddens but the small team realizes that it'll be profitable and they can make the argument that a single player dead space remake is going to happen so don't be completely pessimistic but leo am i being too rosy um, I don't think it's a matter of time or anything, but I feel like it could happen. You know, it's just the wrong people who get in charge, right? Like what happened with Konami. It's just, you know, there's there's no real reason from a purely 
capitalist perspective to make something like Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order versus Star Wars Battlefront 3 or whatever, you know, a single player experience they make as a like a gesture of kindness. It's not like it doesn't make them money, but they could be doing things that make them more money and they know that. So you just like always need people in charge who have a true love for video games and a variety of them. And there's just a risk that someday these companies won't have that. But maybe enough publishers have taken enough of those gambles, have rolled the dice so many times on like, yeah, look, it's not the single player story focused game that the community wants, but at the same time, we can make a boatload off microtransactions if we just nail it right. And when one in 20 of those ends up paying off, whereas you make something, I know this is an extreme case for a great game like this, but you make something like a Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order where it's like the highs aren't as high, but you're still going to get a sweet Ferrari out of the deal. I feel like there's still going to be that other end of the spectrum that can still fight for some basic profits, basic humane profits. Yeah, as long as you have people fighting for them, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's also, to take another optimistic angle, like, there's also that that idea of, like, a, a studio wanting to keep talented people on board will sort of go the direction they want to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because I know Naughty Dog struggled with that, like, kind of early like right like they started that secondary team with the, to pursue the last of us because like they were worried that people didn't have enough to do and they might leave you know what i mean and go somewhere else so like if if the choice is like we can keep these really talented artists here but they want to make this single player thing versus like losing them and making something more profitable i imagine they go with the former hopefully fingers crossed you know that's a good point yeah, that could be. Um, but I understand, you know, where this person's coming from, especially in the news that we talked about totally. a couple weeks ago about stuff like Assassin's Creed Infinity. I think I might have called it Infinite 6,000 times on that episode, but that idea of like, okay, we're going all in on the biggies, just being as surefire as we can. Um, but it only takes a couple of those to fall through before it's like, okay, let's get back to a normal human three-year development cycle and something a little more manageable and roll those smaller dice. It's not too much mm-hmm. to ask. So, uh, no, the apocalypse isn't coming soon, Ben. It's well, fine. not in gaming. Not in gaming. I mean, yeah, the sun will melt you soon, but other than that. Uh, Cade Mead writes in over on Patreon and says, Hey, team, when was the last time you felt that childlike sense of excitement and wonder? And what caused it? Mm. I forget the name of what the object is, but um, <laughs> Ooh, literally like, like a day or two ago, the... Um, in uh what was it cinnamon toast crunch my you know i live with like my family and stuff so my brother's fiance poured a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch and it had those little skateboards that you can play with your like hands yes um and uh she was like oh yeah i got this in in my bowl of cereal and we're all like ah you probably picked it out of the out of the out of the box like you didn't really pour it's like no i did and then she like opened it up and was playing with and we were all like oh snap like you know grind on some like we're and we're all like older for context like i'm 27 my brother's 35 like we're all just standing around the island like oh snap it's crazy and then like she'd like pull a trick and it'd land and we're like oh and a couple of minutes um we were all sober during this also yeah but it was just fun like i don't know like it, it was a, a moment of childlike wonder that's the first thing that comes to mind i thought you're okay. gonna go the direction of like i looked up and i saw a shooting star at just the right moment <laughs> i didn't know it's just a tech deck going yeah, like, out of America, cereal like, the light pollution you're not gonna see stars out here okay all right i guess that's fair well <laughs> by the way that reminds me real quick uh, tech deck reminded me of steam deck and uh, i know we didn't talk about it big in this episode but we had a bonus video on our youtube channel if you want to check us out there it's also with the podcast version of the patreon exclusive podcast feed where we unpacked it a little bit but i pre-ordered one kyle pre-ordered one yes janet yeah. did you get one 
No, I'm I have not. I'm going to try to not because I don't need another expensive thing that I'm barely going to play. Okay. What I keep telling myself. All right. I probably will end up with one. Yeah. And Leo, we'll you're how are you feeling about it? Uh, I just I have a PC already that's plugged into a TV, so I feel fine. Yeah, but don't you feel equipped? I'm happy it exists. I'm, right. I think yeah, it's really cool. Leo, Leo, this one you can drop on your face as you're falling asleep. Yeah. Like laying Ooh, down. Uh-huh. Oh, and it'll be extra heavy. <laughs> yeah, oh my yeah. God, Will. Like, you'll get a black eye. Cool. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, back to what childlike wonder. What stands out for other people? You know which one? I was thinking about this, and one that came to me uh, kind of somewhat recently was like watching uh, Into the Spider Verse in theaters. Oh, for the first good, time. Good, good. I was yeah. just like, this is incredible i was right. like i haven't seen a movie like this in ever and it's just like it's such uh it just i i went and saw that movie in theaters i think four times what we all went as a family yeah like it really like i was just like this that was probably the last time that i was just like eyes wide open i was like this is incredible this is awesome <laughs> you know yeah yeah that's a good one on the movie front um i think for me the childlike thing is really key but I think it's, and I'm not the biggest fan of it now, so it seems weird, but like when Pokemon Go first launched, I think that was a real moment of childlike wonder of like, all my old friends are coming back, everyone's going to be jonesing for a Venomoth, and people are going to be talking about this randomly on the street, but specifically was right when it came out, we were visiting Bungie for, I don't know, what would have been, like the Rise of Iron, maybe, for the release, for Destiny? Um... And so we're in Bellevue, so it's a very techie town and stuff. And they have this big park in Bellevue. And Ben Reeves and Matt Miller and I went there at night and people were losing their minds. There were like a hundred people running around this field at night, screaming about there being a Bulbasaur on the far end of the field. (laughs) And it was just this moment of like, this is one of the weirdest things I never could have expected, but it's just magical. And, And then a guy pulled up and he just parked his car and blasted the Pokemon theme song from his car. <laughs> and we're like taking back the night. It was like, this is a weird vibe, but all right. It's great. That, that is a good one. There, I do have a lot of memories yeah. of going weird places and being in parks with just like tons of other people and just being like, wow, we're all here for Pokemon. This is insane. Yeah. I won't talk to them, but it's cool abstractly that we're here for this reason. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I guess another one is just like traveling a little bit, like going to Japan will fill you with some childlike wonder. And specifically, um, when I went to Malta for Metro Exodus to cover that game, Janet, it was developed in Malta, very strangely enough. Um, But like having the plane come down to Malta and just like looking over the Mediterranean and just seeing islands as we're getting close as the plane was coming down and like all the islands look so different, like the rock formations were all so weird. That was a really geeky moment just as a fan of geography about just like, look at these weird islands in the Mediterranean. What? Why am I in Malta to talk about a video game? This is absurd. GameStop should not have paid for this. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Leo, are you dead inside or how are you doing? Uh, when I was in Nevis, Minnesota with my girlfriend on a little tiny vacation, we pedal boated out to the middle of the lake and watched the sunset. And right after the sunset, like it was actually legitimately getting dark. We heard these birds do their mating calls Two birds from opposite sides of the lake. No, but the calls would just echo so loud throughout the lake. Like you couldn't believe it was just one little creature <laughs> with no, you know, microphone. And it was a noise I'd never heard in my life. And they both perfectly mirrored it to each other. And it was just 
completely surreal. It was like I was really blown away by it in a way that was, you know, core to me and undeniable. And I guess I would call that childlike wonder. So they're on the opposite sides of the lake. And then it's like they were making the mating calls. But what was meeting in the middle was you and your beautiful girlfriend. It really did have a beautiful symmetry to it. Beautiful poetry. And then you kissed like little birds. <laughs> oh, you can't hear the noise I'm making, but it's gross. It sounds like a bird it's kissing. Okay. Yeah, we can <laughs> imagine. Insert your own gross sound here. Uh, Chris Logan writes in and says, Hey, Ben and the Horts, uh, I recently asked the Discord community in the Midmax Discord for five games that made you the gamer you are today. Okay, 39 people replied for a total of 195 games. Naturally, I gathered the data on a spreadsheet and turned it into a game. Let's play the <laughs> games that made us. This doesn't need to be that complex. Can you guess which game appeared the most on the list? We got a tie. Does anybody have a guess for the games that made you the gamer you are today, according to the MinMax Discord? What's Super Mario Bros. One of the numbers, mate, mate, one of those numbers, three? Oh, Janet, great call. That's number three on the list. Excellent. Oh, Excellent. Yeah, I, was, I was actually going to skew younger. I was trying mm. to think. I think you're warmer, Kyle. Games that made us. Minecraft? What do you think? We got a bunch of four-year-olds in our community? No, come on, grow up. Uh, Super Mario 64? No, no 64. Really? I, at no, least for, for, the, for the top batch. To more like, see, like Mario Bros. is great because if you're a little bit older, maybe you played it on like the original like hardware. And if mm-hmm. you're a little bit younger, like me, maybe you played it on like a handheld or something. Yep. Mario you're World. Still young. Yep, Mario World's my, on there. My key answer there for me, like me personally, my top of that list would be Ocarina of Time. Correct. I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to be top five though. You're right. It isn't top five because it's number okay. one, Kyle. Of course oh! it's Ocarina of Time. Uh, but it is, wow. it is tied with another game when you think. It's Majora's Mask. Interesting. That would be fun. No, no, no. Um, think other console, but in the same era. Link to the past? Nope. One year before Ocarina came out. Final Fantasy VII? Final Fantasy VII. There we go. And yeah, those are those are like the two. Right? That's the two. You, that's the that's two. the branch that you took for people in our <laughs> age range, right? You either went the Ocarina path or you went the Final Fantasy VII path. Right. It's the one of them's the right path. I'm not going to say which one. It's the Beatles and Rolling Stones speech from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, number four is newer kyle this is this game i think it came out the same door i think it came out the same year as minecraft 1.0 for a hint what was i doing when i downloaded minecraft on that crappy macbook and it didn't play very well you weren't playing this game i'll tell you that much but the year i think it's 2011 oh i think oh no not portal no 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 that would have been portal 2 but nope nope um, Kyle, you, this is a series, a loosely defined series that you went back to and seemed to appreciate later in your life. And now you're like, I'm a fan of that studio somehow. You streamed a lot of yourself playing it at Game Informer, I believe. I think. Shenmue? <laughs> no, I think, I think you streamed the third entry in this series. Beloved Japanese series. Hardcore beloved Japanese series. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. Yakuza? I don't know. <laughs> no, no. I thought too. <laughs> Leo? Dark Souls, right? Dark Souls. There we go. There we go. Is Dark Souls 2011? Yeah, right. Somebody please tell me. Thank you, Chris, uh, for pulling the community. Anyways, uh, Skylar Timmons writes in and says, I've been playing Breath of the Wild for the first time since it originally came out. I had the fun. 
I had the fun the first time. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. But I didn't enjoy it as highly as others because I missed a lot of the conventional Zelda mechanics like dungeons and stuff. However, I've been having a blast the second time around and appreciating things more than I originally did. What is a video game or piece of media that you've grown to appreciate more than the first time you experienced it? I rewatched Edge of Tomorrow recently, which I liked a lot at the time. Yeah. And watching it now, it's like a perfect movie. It might be in my top 10 or something. It's wow. So That's such a good one. Because I think a lot of people are in that camp of watching it when it came out and said, hey, better than I thought. But now to go back and reassess, like, oh, it's a very special, beautiful snowflake here. It is. Yeah. That's good. I had one... I, it, like Majora's Mask was a big one for me, mm. right? Because I played it when it came out, and I, I I liked it, and I played it and beat it and had a good time with it. Got all the masks and everything, but it was like I don't really love the looping part of it. Mm-hmm. Like I that that part I don't I didn't love. But when it, the remake came out on 3ds, and you and and I think it's like the same thing that happened uh, with uh, the the person who wrote the question. I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot their name. Skyler. Uh, with Breath of the Wild, where your expectations are different going in, so you're better prepared to like understand how the game works and functions. And replaying uh, Majora's Mask on 3DS like skyrocketed it in terms of my like Zelda ranking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's like where it might have been near the bottom, it is now near the top because it's like I, it just knowing exactly how that game functions after playing through it once, I just lo- I loved it so much more uh, the second time around. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of this stuff. Uh, it's just anything that really grew on you in a big way, but I didn't dislike it at first by any means, but I enjoyed No Country for Old Men in the theater when I saw it for the first time. Probably had an Edge of Tomorrow-like experience of like, that was really good. Right on. And then it wasn't until like years later rewatching it again and again I was like, oh no, I need to have this movie memorized and insert it into my veins and become its essence and let it destroy me emotionally. Uh, So yeah, that one I think. Uh, Mike Poe submits a comment over on Patreon and says, Hello, everybody. I wanted to ask about long games, particularly the bad rap they get in today's discourse. More and more, I'm starting to think that I'm an outlier. I love long games like Divinity Original Sin, Dragon Quest XI, Dead, Red Dead 2, Red Dead, Dead, Red 2, Witcher 3, and when I finish a good long game, I feel so much more satisfied compared to finishing three or four smaller games. If the gameplay is good and you enjoy being in the game's world, what's the problem with a 50-hour experience? There's no problem. No problem here, Mike. We I, have no problem. I think for me, a lot of games can start out fun and I'm just tired of them long before they're over. And so then the problem is if they have a cool ending that would make me like the game more, I don't want to see it. I don't want to put in the hours to get to see it. Yeah. And there's always going to be a lot more belly aching from people doing this professionally about long games than, you know real gamers, TM, I think as, as they like to put it. But nothing, nothing wrong with it. I think it's cool. Like, Buy a couple games a year. They last that long. Something like Divinity Original Sin. You're having a much deeper experience than us jumping around to a couple indie games and checking out Chris Tales for two hours and then moving on. Like, you're doing it right, Mike. You're, you're experiencing this right stuff. Now. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like me downloading games I'm never going to play on the side. I'm like, I'm going to get to it. Oh, but when you have them sitting on that Steam Deck off to the side and you're going to get to those, that's when it's really going to be potent and beautiful. Right, so the Oculus Quest, I don't play. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Mike, no problem here. Please don't hate us. We love you. Um, Owen Shannon writes in and says, hey folks, uh, so this one is kind of philosophical, I guess. You all ready? Yeah. Okay, everybody feeling yeah. smart? <laughs> Janet, I like your philosophy post <laughs> getting ready for it. Um, yeah, a little okay. bit of pretension, like, okay, all right. 
is irony slash sarcasm slash satire worth it anymore? Personally, I love sarcastic humor, but especially with social media, it seems like 50% or more people just take it all literally, or people are ironic and self-aware to a toxic extent that makes people feel bad about liking things. Is the misinformation and toxicity that comes from this style of humor worth it? I'm starting to lean towards no. First of all, uh, I mean, most people don't know what irony is. Myself included. Uh, like yeah. I have studied in, and I'm embarrassed to say this because I did teach English, high school English for mm-hmm. a period, and I studied English in college, and I studied education in college. Oh man, I, like actual irony is yeah. so hard to understand like what it actually is. And so many times people will be like, this is ironic, but it's not. But like no one mm-hmm. likes that guy either. So I think we all kind of know what it's supposed to be so i think that's that's one awkward layer of that it's not um, a coincidence sorry. it's it has to be yeah. something beyond that it's there's actually a really good poster like those oatmeal posters that like break down um what is it called like basically like linguistic terms they'll like have a couple cartoons on that they have one on irony that's really good but i still struggle sarcasm's weird because it's like I think sarcasm probably does only really work when uh, the audience you're speaking to understands what you're saying or they can hear you, where you can convey the tone. Um, People often tell me that I'm really sarcastic, which concerns me because I almost never say anything I don't mean. So I'm like, oh, no, I'm just really mean or really excited. Like, I think I just live in the extreme. I think people use sarcasm as just a shorthand. Well, in a couple different ways, I think easy comedy (laughs) right but then on the other side i've had people say that to me about like my family would be like oh ben you're so sarcastic and i was like i guess i don't really see myself as a very sarcastic person but i guess that's probably insane and probably listeners can point to three thousand times in this episode alone where i have been sarcastic but i don't i don't see it as like a go-to thing for me but leo you're the king of comedy tm uh is it worth it anymore or is it just so overly done and toxic online that it's ruined sarcasm also congrats on taking that title from yeah what robert de niro it was yeah congratulations man thank you <laughs> i deem it acceptable <laughs> All right. <laughs> wait was that sarcasm um, i i think uh there is a a lot of yeah definitely talking about that in the context of online yeah posting it is definitely dangerous you know i think you see a lot of people making fun of you know wokeness or whatever by doing making this super ironic ridiculous post about that's supposed to be like uber woke and then it's taken completely seriously by certain corners of the same you know side of the spectrum and they're like look at this ridiculous thing look how ridiculous the idea of uh, caring about other people's feelings has gotten. It's gotten so out of hand. And it's like continuously feeding that cycle is itself doing parodies. And I just feel like people need to be responsible with that kind of ironic posting and they are excited by not being responsible about it. So it won't ever be changed. Yeah. I think uh, I often think about your E3 video, Leo. (laughs) And I think about, I'm trying to remember what the game was where, yeah, with the, with the bees, your wonderful video (laughs) with the bees, um, the big E3 recap. What's it called again on our YouTube channel? E3 Hive. 
E- E3 Hive, of course. That's a better way to search uh, for it. Yeah, bees, yes. Yeah, there can't be too many of those. <laughs> but there's this one moment where it's like, you, you had, you're like, I don't want to be mean to this game, but I need to say something. Do you remember the one I'm talking about? I forget what the game was, but it is just was that- it Fallout? I don't 76? know. Maybe it was. Yeah, and you're like, my mother told me not to say anything at all, that type of thing. But it's just that, I don't know, it's that reflex of, yeah, I guess the shorthand for humor is be mean. That's always something, you know, writing jokes. I have to very intentionally catch myself of like, my first thought is usually to dump on this thing. Right. And and then even, you know, by the time I'm recording it, it's like, oh, well, this isn't one of the stronger ones. It just technically was a joke and I sat with it. But I have to really go through and to be like, what's the meanness to clever joke ratio here? And am I happy with it? Right, right. And on the much smaller scale, yeah, I experienced that when we do our Thanksgiving uh, jokes about the year and stuff where I do find myself like, oh yeah, what? how do you write a joke about a game that isn't just being mean yeah. about something about the game or the developers? It's surprisingly challenging. It Try is. it at home, everybody. Uh, Grizzled Gaming writes in and says, hey, everybody, what do you think was the last major innovation in gaming? Simple question. Difficult answer, I'd add. On the hardware side or the game design side? Yeah. I... I I don't know. Last major innovation. I mean, if you just say PlayStation 5, you're going to be so boring. I'm going to boot you from this VR. call. VR. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, VR. VR I mean, is not a bad answer. You're honestly. probably boring, right. Though, right? Yeah. It, is, it is ungodly boring, but yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I, I was trying to think. I don't have a great answer, but I was trying to think of like gameplay mechanics that, you know, popped up in a game that everyone was like, ooh. I'm going to use that. You know what I mean? And I can think, yeah, jumping out of an airplane. Well, not even a mode. Like, I was thinking more of like, and this is further back, but like Ocarina of Time having lock on, right? Where you could lock on to an enemy to yeah. engage them in a fight. That was like everything had it after that. You know what I mean? And I was like trying to, there's got to be s- stuff like that that has happened recently, but I can't really think of anything. Just like a mechanic that everyone grabbed onto and, and just used. Fast what travel's that, interesting. Fast travel. But when did that come out? I feel like that's been out for maybe secretly a long time. Uh, probably. Fast travel's been around. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. That's, I, I mean, there's certain, there's like, I, but yeah, I was thinking mechanically as opposed to hardware. Like of like, I think, um, true game design that really everyone saw and was like, oh my gosh. Like, you know, I mean, Breath of the Wild had a little bit of that. Like, we've seen a lot of climbing and stuff like that now, you know, which yeah, they didn't invent climbing, climbing or anything. Yeah, Breath of the Wild didn't, like, invent climbing, climbing in video in games. But the way it was integrated, I think, was, like, you know, really broke down barriers. Like, it's tough for me to play games now where there's barriers in the way. You know what I mean? Especially in open world settings. Because they're constantly getting broken by Link. Um, yeah, uh-huh. the uh, I, this is kind of a fusion of hardware and design, but crossplay. Does that count as the last major innovation of just finally now it's it's almost an outlier for a game that doesn't have crossplay? You're seen as an old stodgy yeah. beast. Oh, no. It's just a little boring. I don't know. Everything's yeah. boring. I still, look, yeah. I still call that an innovation too because it was more like why doesn't this exist? Yeah, you know it's I mean? interesting. It was just wrong for <laughs> a few dozen years. That's right. <laughs> right, right. I don't know. Let us know in the comments what stands out as the last major innovation. Someone in the chat mentions uh, asynchronous player stuff, like the signs in uh, Dark Souls Mm. and like the structures Mm. you can do in Death Stranding. That's a pretty cool one. And I think that is something that, you know, they said entirely relying on more modern tech. Yeah, where you couldn't really do that for a long time. Yeah. Also, someone also mentioned the warp pipes as fast travel. I don't think so. Like, (laughs) come on. 
Come on. I mean, no. yeah. Oh, hey, you could play the flute and Link to the Past. I only think in Zelda, uh, turns out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now we're getting into like how like this is technically that kind of like the it, now we're getting into like hamburger is a hot dog. The hot dog's a sandwich territory. <laughs> Next thing you're going to tell me a hamburger's right? a hot dog. I get or yeah, a hamburger's a hot dog. But like that doesn't make any sense. And if you go to a sandwich shop and you ask for a hot dog, they're going to think you're an idiot. Like you can't. You right. Know? <laughs> right, right. Although I'd like to see no, a try. That person made the comment. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Grizzled Gaming, that's a good one. Um, Ian yeah. T. Clark writes in and asks, what non-social media related app do you use on your phone the most? Safari. Cool. <laughs> I, I use one called Overdrive to read library ebooks. Really? Does Gmail count as social media? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably is. Wait, really? this, this is always the on The Starbucks hand. app. I feel like I'm very basic sounding. <laughs> Kyle's doing those That's sounds. A good one. He uses it on a I daily basis. I don't even basis. keep it in a folder. You know, I just got to have it ready. Every time your daughter eats a vegetable at the dinner table. <laughs> you know, here's one. I, I This one is like, my daughter would always ask me how to spell things. So I found an app. She doesn't need it anymore because she's very smart. But like, I found this app that I, would, I could just write things out in big text. So she'd be like, dad, how do you spell monkey? And then I would just be like, here, you know. Instead Look of at the speak with her thing. as little as possible. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking yeah. about? That's parenting. No, it's it's the difference between spelling out a word slowly and just being like, you know, oh, here, I've just written it for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I found it very handy. Okay. I'm just trying to think of weird stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Hey, pop quiz, Leo. Yeah. Hands where I can see them, buddy. Now give me your freaking money. Um, okay, Leo. <laughs> oh, your cat's tail is a little hand up as well. All right, Leo, spell Looney Tunes. L O O N E Y T U N E S. Correct. Yeah, good job. Do I win the bet, Hanson? Yeah, I guess so. No, Kyle and I were debating in the Max Spoilers for Space Jam, which is up on YouTube and in the Patreon exclusive podcast feed. I was we we're trying to figure out polling a hundred random people on the sidewalk. How many people would spell it T O O N S versus yeah. T U N E S? I think a majority would go T O O. I agree. Okay, but we're and like my really argument smart. was that the the logo is very iconic, so people know how to spell it because the they would they would think it's a Mandela effect thing. The T U N. Yes, mm. yes, you're totally right. Yeah, um, I think logos can be iconic, but the spelling in the logo, Kyle, like the Berenstein Bears, you know, like that's an iconic logo. It's up there with Coca Cola. <laughs> Can't get away from it. But the spelling, <laughs> I think. Anyways, uh, yeah, for app, uh, I use Strava every day when I go on my morning bike ride See, but isn't that social oh. media because you can connect it with people but like that's does that, it count that's if i refuse to do that and i have everything default to private because these times are for me only i think that's just you being weird how you are you know you can like, say you, know what I you mean? can use another word there like that's I, fine if i like don't follow anyone on twitter but i still am opening it and just looking at like trending top like you know what i mean like i just like the ui i think the better comparison is if you sign up for a twitter account don't follow anybody well yeah actively privatize your account and make sure no one follows you but still post tweets all the time right that's the ideal Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah okay um caleb murray writes in and says hey pod crew i know this is more of a crossfade thing which is your music podcast but i recall hansen mentioning several times and i just got to know has Hanson or anyone else listened to the new Modest Mouse album, The Golden Casket? If so, what do you think about it? Uh, no, uh, I am an idiot when it comes to music, and I had no idea that Modest Mouse had released a new album. So thank you for letting me know, Caleb Murray, because honestly, I went on a big uh, road trip last week, and I listened to Modest Mouse the entire way 
and I did not know that there was a new Modest Mouse album. Now I feel like I'm dingus for wasting all that old Modest Mouse time. Are you a Spotify guy? Uh, I don't pay for it, but I downloaded it last year, so okay. you can't listen I, to an album. That's how I find out when bands I like have new music, because I got an email that's like, hey, this band you like has a new album. Yeah, like, you oh, see, I turn those off. off. Like, I don't want you emailing me. Yeah, I don't know. I like, I, it's how I learn about new, new music, because I you know, don't listen to a lot of new music lately. Uh, my name is Dan writes in and says, when is the moment you realized you were taking the hobby of playing video games more seriously than the average person? This is very revealing. I think for me, it was like talking to my friends about games and I would use a developer's name and they'd be like, we don't know what you're talking about. I'd be like, oh, like I remember like when he started at Game Informer, you know, we'd just be in the issue meeting or something and people would be like, well, Randy said the other day and I'd be like, what is this? Oh, they're talking about Randy Pitchford. Okay, got it. But like, yeah, just recently, like maybe we were, when we were recording the Lord of the Rings commentary track, Leo, with Ronnie, but I mentioned like Cliffy B and Ronnie's like, who is that? like oh yeah that's right like you just like games like there's no reason you should know who cliffy b is as an individual unless you're talking about his hot new book which i am excited to read whenever that thing comes out i don't think it's out now um but yeah does anybody else have another example of when you realize that you are taking it way more seriously i've always felt like i was better than my peers yep in most (laughs) ways can't pinpoint yeah well i had a weird i mean i guess like late middle school early high school might have been a point where I was like maybe getting into it a lot more than other people but then I started working at a GameStop and worked there for a long time so I was kind of always surrounded with people who were as interested in games as I was um, but yeah I mean I certainly had friends I played like in bands with and music and stuff and they they would play Halo and then I would be like oh we should also play this and they'd be like no we're, we're good we have Halo like we don't have to <laughs> well, you gotta check out Brute Force guys it's and the you know same what? engine you still have Halo, which is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Like the people who still only like play like that one or one or two games still have that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think following watching E3 is probably my yeah, biggest indicator. That's a that good one. I'm, I'm like weird, you know, but I didn't talk to I wasn't like trying to talk to people about E3 on Monday. Like, did y'all see? And it's kind of <laughs> odd, too, because like I grew up having part of my life have social like my younger life have social media because I got on Twitter in high school. So like I could I mean, I don't know if I was like finding new people to like talk to about games that way. But I think one reason I never really felt like that ostracized over it is like it wasn't a big talking point with my friends to begin with. And at home, like my brother played games and also we, we played games a lot, but I, I don't think it got to a really, really extreme point until I did start doing it as a career where I'm yeah. like, OK, now we're going to meticulously go over and we're now going to play through the entire back catalog of the greatest games ever while also playing the most games that come out while also getting on Game Pass, while also getting up arcade. And now I'm kind of I'm so deep in it that when people tell me that this year is slow, I get kind of frustrated because I'm like, but there's so many. I, and I know it's not like a banger year, but I'm like, but there's so many games coming out. Like yeah. there's still look, there's this, this and this. And my family's like, that's because you have your job to us normal people we're just playing ratchet and we haven't played anything else since. And I'm like, uh, so I guess maybe this year is when I realized that I'm extra. (laughs) (laughs) It was a real turning point. Yeah. Uh, Logan Krauss writes in and says, Hey, Maxers, about 20 minutes through the previous, uh, min max council podcast. I realized I was wearing tennis shoes, grilling and listening to the show while admiring my freshly cut lawn. What the heck happened to me? I'm 25 doing this stuff. What is your guys's most boomer or dad moment? Thank you for listening to Min Max Council or Patreon because the podcast Logan Cross. Someone wrote in about uh, Sheesh. 
Oh no! <laughs> oh no! And I didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> it's up there. Yeah, that's up there. Um, I, I had one um, where this last weekend I was hanging out with a bunch of like old high school friends and stuff, and and uh, we went to a beach, and then we went back to like the campsite, and um, and we're heading back to the campsite, and look, this is a long story with very little payoff. I just want to prepare Can't everybody wait. for that. That's my that. favorite kind of story. Yes. Basically, one of my friends forgot his t-shirt at the beach. So we grabbed it to bring back to the campsite. And the t-shirt was a Scooby-Doo t-shirt. And they somebody said, oh, it looks like Kyle forgot, another Kyle forgot his t-shirt. And I said, yeah, I bet right now he's back at the campsite saying, Scooby-Doo, where are you? And old high school friends were like, okay, that's a dad joke. Okay. And it was, and it was a moment of like, is that just my sense of humor? Is it just full dad joke at this territory where I'm not saying it was a great joke, but I was confident in making that joke until it was hit with just a solid brick wall of like, what are you doing? Why are you you talking like that? (laughs) What do you think you are right now? And it's like, whoa. And then your whole life flashes before. Yeah. And then I just <laughs> ran into the water. I just kept Hair running. Hair just turned stark white. <laughs> yeah. It was this last crusade. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Leo, are you a dad yet? Uh, I don't get that Snapchat thing. Oh, okay. I feel like it's just late to not getting it. Yeah, like, I, don't I think that's that. dead, right? <laughs> like, I know. I'm thinking back when it was more of a thing. And I was trying to engage with it, but everything you can do in that app is a secret code, a secret combination of gestures that no one tells you except unless you have really cool f- young friends. <laughs> and the just disappearing thing, like I never got the, the point of Snapchat. You know, I didn't get it on any level. It's, and it, it felt be, like I was a grumpy old man. Yeah, you can be fun and secret and naughty and stuff. That's that's the goal. That's what people no. want. Oh. Be well behaved. <laughs> I think for me, like I don't have a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm still fairly young i mean i think all of us are like not like super old or anything but i think just taking joy in like (laughs) very mundane things like i finally had like a really clear schedule yesterday and i decided to use it to reorganize my kitchen and i'm like yeah like we're really getting this done you know that's kind of like that's that's kind of like i think of it as like what's your washed moment like that's kind of washed i also think when i substitute taught um for i think i subbed for like six months um, if you don't know what washed is, just context clue. If you don't know what washed is, you're probably washed. That's also a thing. Uh, um, but, <laughs> is that like being um, basic? It, washed means like, so it, it basically means that you're, it's kind of like dried up. I know it sounds like opposite because washed would be like moistened, but you're <laughs> Does like, Does it make okay, any sense? The story's full like, of holes. Washed up. Like you're, it's over. Like your heyday, like your high era. Like if you're like a has-been, it's like a has-been. It's basically. just, it's like a shortened washed. of, yeah, washed up, right, Leo? I mean, that's okay. right. She has to washed up. Yes, okay. There we okay. Go. Got it. Got oh, they shortened yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think just like not knowing like what apps like actual kids use, like because I would sub in like high schools and, you know, the students would be secretly getting on not Omegly, but something similar. That's like an app version. And first of all, I'm like, mm, you're not going to do that here for a lot of reasons, too. Uh, yeah. Everyone who's an adult now who did that realizes that's like extra sketch. So don't do that. But also, like, Omegly? I didn't know what apps they were naming. What yeah, is Omega. Omegly or Omegle or whatever, like it's like uh you could video chat with strangers. It was like very pretty big back in like oh I yeah. don't know like a it long a time ago. Name. Some people still use it, but chat there was like roulette? an app. There are yeah, different there things was... that are the same. Mm, yeah, weird. But there was like some random app they named, and I never heard of it, and I still haven't heard of it. So I think just not knowing what apps young people use is yep. kind of like all right. I get it. I get it. 
Um, Garrett, Oddly, I was just looking into it recently for a video, the difference between chat roulette and Omegle. I went to chat roulette initially, and there's a unmoderated section that is closed forever because really? of you know, what people get up to on those video chats. And on the other hand, Omegle has an adults-only one now, oh, so they fun. kind of went different directions with it. That's there the difference go. between them about it. Uh, Garrett Becker writes in and says, Yo, Benz and the other people, my girlfriend and I are getting back into VR. This is an interesting question. I have an Oculus Quest 2, and it's awesome. See, Janet? They're enjoying it. Um, however, my girlfriend only has one arm. I've noticed that a lot of games won't let her play because of this. Can you all think of any good VR games that can be played one-handed? First Actually, answer is... Well, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Okay, Janet, you got one? What do you got? No, I'll go last, because I actually don't have one, but I have a comment that's okay. relevant. Leo? Uh Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. 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 Everybody relax. Everybody, let's take our turns. Kyle first. Well, uh, Beat, Sa <laughs> <laughs> uh, Beat Saber can be played one handed. You just have to go in the settings. Like, you have to oh, say, really? like, you know, one handed mode. Oh, interesting. Um, and Pistol Whip defaults to a single gun, and it's very good. Uh, those are like my two favorite VR games and they can both be played one-handed. So if, But I would imagine that they probably already are playing those because they're so popular. Yeah. Okay. Good. And let's see. Does any other student want to answer this question? I think I'll choose on Little Leo Vader. Um, as far as I know, these are both PC only. So you, if you have a PC, you can like play them through your quest, but only then. So sorry if this is irrelevant to you. But Until You Fall is a game I famously love that you can play one-handed for sure. You're just blocking attacks and striking, and you right. can do that all one-handed. It just might be a little more difficult. And uh, one I played recently called Fire Escape, which is kind of an interactive theater-type experience where you're sitting on your fire escape and you're looking at this apartment building and all these big windows to all these different rooms, and it's kind of a murder mystery where you see the murder go on and you pick which room to look into and overhear people's conversations and try to figure out the murder. And it's like an hour long, but you can't get it all in one go. Yeah. It's really cool. I think the story is really interesting and it's, you just basically point at the rooms and like answer your phone. So it's very easy to play. It's like a it. rear window simulator or something. Very much so. <laughs> that sounds sweet. No, my, my actual, my joke was going to be better Hanson or oh. a joke to begin with. I was going to say they didn't get the rights to Alfred Hitchcock's vertigo, you know, Remember that game? They announced it. Yeah. It's called Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Yeah. They could have called it Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window, but they had to call it Fire Escape. Janet, is there a joke here? Probably. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thank God he turns the camera off. Anyways, Janet, sorry, now we get to your comment. Last but yeah, not least. Um, so unfortunately, nothing comes to mind because I've been um, a bad person who doesn't play their Oculus Quest, but um, I would encourage you <laughs> to check out... I know. To check out, uh, can I play that website? Can I play that.com? Um, it's an outlet that is entirely dedicated to doing accessibility reviews and accessibility content. All of their reviews are from an accessibility standpoint. So Interesting. they review stuff and break it down for like um, physical disabilities, um, hard of hearing disabilities, like sight related disabilities, and a bunch of other stuff. And they review based on like accessibility it's not about like how like fun the game is or whatever yeah and they haven't done a lot of vr from what i see i searched vr and i see like some dream stuff mentioning moss book too but i think just check out that site or maybe even get in touch with them they have a patreon they have a twitter it's a pretty small team of writers but i think that could be a really good resource for questions like that yeah well, there we go uh, vr chat yeah. also has a lot of worlds and you can't even have two-handed interactions in that game so like most anything you can do in vr chat you can do Handed. And there's cool. some cool like single player escape room type campaigns. Like there's a surprising amount of 
actual content in there, even if you aren't on board for the full VR chat experience. There we go. And uh, on Janet's topic, we, we should also shout out, I, I'm, I'm not fully sure how it's pronounced, but a Dagger System, D-A-G-E-R yeah. yep. System yep. by former uh, game form mentor Josh Straub, right? Mm-hmm. Runs that website and a uh, similar idea to what you mentioned, um, Janet, where it's like a site that's focused on accessibility and, and uh, yeah, judging, talking about games from that perspective, which might be helpful. I've produced a couple of videos for them, yeah. Uh, Nick Al writes and he says, hey, cohorts, another horrifying story is broken. Oh, by the way, everybody brace for impact. Uh, another horrifying story is broken about a culture of abuse in the gaming industry, this time at Activision. What can we as consumers do to help combat this? I know I can, quote, speak with my wallet by not purchasing the products, but does the drop in the sea of my minimal purchases really affect anything? How can I respectfully make my voice known about this and other things being the reason I don't support a company? So uh, for a little background here, uh, Activision Blizzard, seems like it's Blizzard specifically, as far as I could tell, is in trouble with the state of California. Um, uh, New reports coming out just about, yeah, it turns out that was a horrific environment for uh, a lot of women to work in. Um, You can go down that rabbit hole yourself and and read some stories just to get an idea of what's going on in places like that, but it gets pretty dark pretty quick. Um, But yeah, what, what can we do? What uh, what can the average consumer do to help with this in studios? Yeah. It's a tough I mean, it's question. A, it's a hard question that there's not like a great answer to. But I think just like publicizing it and being mm-hmm. vocal about it and just like just looking at it and pointing at it directly and being like that sucks and that needs to change. You know, like right. whether that's on like social media platforms or what. But I, yeah, I think also just like. Yeah, it's tough from the wallet angle. Yeah, because I mean, it, like, I, I I hope that, yeah, you, you could vote with your wallet, and I hope that would make a difference, but I don't know if it would make as much as, of a difference as just being vocal, you know? I'm not sure. Yeah, you know? and kind of the, you know, one of the refrains in that story was, like, it was just kind of a general frat boy culture uh, that was pretty rough. Um, and I've definitely experienced a lot of that, you know, visiting studios for a decade now um and you see that i mean nothing as bad as was in those stories but it's like i totally get it when it's a bunch of guys in their 20s like i understand how this culture can just kind of seep in and it's tough to blast through that that said not saying it's fixed by any means but it's like it feels like just culturally things have moved so hard and far in the last couple of years that hopefully more studios kind of are aware of these big issues and are trying to do something about it. I'm not saying they're off the hook for it, but it at least from being outside the circle, it feels like, boy, uh, I would hope those studios have the fear of God in them a little bit more about how horrific this is for so many people. Um, yeah, I, mean- I, I think there's a couple elements that like lead into this kind of culture that I think we can just be careful about how we talk about and respond to, which is that games are such a boys club, like mm-hmm. that, you know, women getting harassed in online games is such a common thing that so many don't want to even like use their microphones or yeah. whatever. So it's a matter of, you know, calling out people who you see doing that. And I think also an element of like that games are this dream job for everybody versus like a job that should have real HR and real, you know, a real workplace boundaries like any job would have. It kind of gets into like 
I don't know, in other places of the entertainment industry that have a huge problem with harassment. It's like this, I don't know, this kind of pow- power dynamic that people think they're, you know, invincible when they get to a certain point. And I think it's just a matter of like being realistic about all this stuff. And if it's like maybe as much as you can vote with your wallet, also being a positive voice in the conversations you're having day to day around this stuff. Yeah, I think being like aggressive about what like it's not enough to have like a belief uh, in any, you know, and these these things have so many parallels to like other, you know, forms of oppression that run through society, be they racial, social, all these other things. Um, but it's about being actively against the things that you're not against. So it's not enough to be like, oh, well, I'm not sexist or I wouldn't say these things or yeah, like, of course, like I'm here for what I love, love women, love women in games, like love developers, blah, blah. But it's like, okay, like, but what do you do to really help with that? Like, are you actually doing, and even, I even have this for myself. Like I've looked at my own YouTube channel, which is, (laughs) I have like 2000 subs and somehow I have literally my analytics from the last 28 days. My audience is a hundred percent men, a hundred percent men. And I'm, I would think, you would think that me being a woman would help with that kind of automatically, but like, it doesn't always. And that, like, for me, that signals, okay, what can I do in a non-patronizing way to get more women, you know, to view my content and to get my content in front of more women. Or, you know, I do a lot of content with men, you know, making content with a bunch of men right now. Like, what can I, how can I get myself to work with more women? Like, that is something I want in my career and for the industry. Like, do I actually, if I think of the women I'd want to work with, are there any who are like me who are not at outlets that I conceivably could build a professional relationship with? Um, And that's not to say the onus is all on me. Obviously, I'm just using myself as an example of how... Even someone like me who is, if if you follow me at all on anything or, or if you've listened to this, you already know kind of my stance on all this stuff and I'm very vocal about it. But there's always more you could be doing, um, which that's kind of intense. And like, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of work for a lot of things in society. And I think it's very easy to feel overwhelmed by, okay, well, like there's sexism and there's racism and there's classism and we don't have health care. And also the planet's dying and Bezos is flying into space. And <laughs> also like, I kind of just need to take, I need self-care. I should go uh, to therapy. I need to work out like, you know, this can snowball very, very quickly. Um, as far as like voting with your wallet, um, I think that's always up to, what your hard line is like, I, I admittedly haven't voted with my wallet for almost anything. I think the first time I'll be voting with my wallet is when I don't play the Harry Potter game coming out because mm. I just don't want to mm. be involved in. Honestly, for me, that line is because I think if I streamed it, I would have to put a such a big asterisk. That I don't think it's worth streaming. I feel right. like I'd be I I feel like I'd be letting my community down with the kind of community I have been fostering. Again, very extreme case, but like that's my hard line. You know, yeah. I don't listen to Kanye West anymore because he said some really out of pocket stuff and I just can't do it. Are there other artists that are also terrible that I also listen to? Yes. Oh, yeah. I think that's always very personal. Um, and to echo what art has already been said, yeah, um, amplifying things. I think too, if this shocked you, you really need to assess your view of the world. And I don't mean that to be to progressive or to make anyone feel bad. But I, I see this with a lot of things when it comes to like race and sexism. People are often surprised who aren't in those groups. And like for me as a woman and a woman of color in the industry, like it is horrific and it is like crazy to conceive of a company that functions in such a backwards way. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I could see that. Like I could totally see that because like I've I lived it. I live it every day in small ways and in big ways. I think um, being really aggressive about stamping out microaggressions in the space is super important. Like there are so many times where like me or other women have pointed out like 
oh, this comment's sexist, and people will always be like, is it? I think they just don't like you. And, and you know, you can definitely not like women creators or developers, but I think you really should look at the bigger picture of what's being said, how it's being said. And when you see criticism and, and things launched at people, who is often the target of that? And I think if you dig into that report, you see a lot of that there where women will say, it's not so much that you're really being um, aggressive over my performance. It's that you're giving me a level of scrutiny that you don't give my male cohorts. Like I have to be so much better than the men around me. It's not that you're holding me to like an unreasonable standard, but I look around and that's not the standard you hold everyone else to. And what's the key difference? And you have to ask yourself those questions. So like, yeah, really, I think just educating yourself, uplifting it, looking how you can be more aggressively for women. Cause I do think a lot of people are like, yeah, like it'd be cool. But what do you actually do to like help support it? Like if you're on, you know, Twitch, Patreon, wherever, like, are you actually voting with your wallet on that way? There's also a way to, to do that where you just support, you know, other women or other developers or, you know, um, conferences or talks that have women making sure that each that panels have women when they have like I've seen all like women's topics that don't have any women on the panels, like crazy stuff like that. I think speaking out against that. And I also think couching all hype in the context of what the studio is going through. I mean, Ubisoft is certainly also one that's under fire. And I think about that every time we cover something with Ubisoft where it's like, okay, all this stuff. And I see people that I love that work there that are like doing their thing, but also underneath that there's like this big lawsuit and these big issues. And like, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a very like long winded answer, but those are kind of my gut reactions to seeing this and thinking of what are the next actionable steps. Um, and yeah, just really being vocal, you know, or just just like being an ally, looking up and trying to do those things and just start checking those boxes in as any way that you can with the bandwidth that you have. There we well go. Said. Thanks, Nick Al. Um, question of the week. I know it's a hard pivot back to silly questions <laughs> I like the childlike wonder it was the I first question like so i don't know if that's no, like i know i'm with you i like the childlike wonder too maybe it's just the phrasing how are you guys feeling well, it's also about nice that? to think of like when was the last time i was like really just right. instantly excited about yeah. something which was maybe a fun was little a rabbit vibe. hole to dive into yeah. yeah all right there we go cade mead congratulations you won with tom on playstation from i am 8-bit from the wonderful online store thanks to i am 8-bit for shipping that stuff out now it's time for something we'd like to call get a load of this and get a load of this goes a little something like this uh i got a quick one hey get a load of this everybody this is maybe uh, some basic internet stuff but uh i was streaming the other day and i was closing tabs on a stream and johnny moto in the chat said hansen what's wrong with you what are you doing and i said whatever do you mean johnny moto and they explained that i'm closing tabs like a goober because apparently you can close tabs by clicking the middle mouse wheel, the scroll wheel, anywhere on the tab to close it. Which I've been doing for a while now to open them, but to close tabs, I always go to the little X. But it turns out you can close them again just by clicking that middle wheel. Leo, you're in right now. I had no idea. I thought you were going to say the tab, like at least on Chrome, the when you right click and you can do close tabs to the right. Yeah. So just notice that was a thing. I had no idea about the wheel. Oh, yeah. The wheel also, apparently, control shift. Oh, wait. Control shift T to reopen a tab that you closed accidentally. Also a, a pro tab tip for everybody out there. I think this is game changing. So I do feel old. This is also back to the old question. I feel yep. Yep. We're all aging. Thank you, Johnny Moto. Um, Janet, you got one? 
Yeah, get a lot of this. Uh, sort of swinging back to our conversation with EA Play, but during the pre-show, which was like 15 minutes, very, very reasonable pre-show, mm. they had um, Japanese Breakfast featured for the Sims Cottage Living Expansion Pack, where they like did one of their songs in Simlish, um, which is cool. And also, I do want to also give an additional shout out to the fact that Japanese Breakfast, like the band Japanese Breakfast, the group, um, they have been in a lot of like gaming stuff because they were also Achilles summer oh yeah right mark i think it's called where they did the um the stuff with uh sable i believe it was uh and i guess they're like doing composition for that so i just think it's cool to see like a band sort of have this i don't know little like gaming touchstone within their repertoire of content yeah that's cool all right the classic duel between kyle and leo who's got the first get a load of this hey first one to jump in the arena oh oh Oh, I was going to say mine's not timely at all. It's super <laughs> random. It's just something funny that I wrote down in Leo, my notes. Leo, you can like still jump in. Ago. He's rambling. <laughs> jump in, Leo. Mine is Kyle's. Oh. <laughs> there we go. All right, here. I'll just I'll just go. Um, this is like an old article. It's from like 2016. Uh, I saw the quote first, which made me go track it down to see if it was true. But it was uh it's from the vulture and they were just asking a bunch of celebrities about uh the batman versus superman movie that was getting ready to come out at the time <laughs> okay and they were like they just asked a bunch of celebrities who would win in the, the fight batman versus superman okay. right and it's like people like uh they talked to sebastian stan and and uh tom hiddleston and zachary <laughs> levi and just like a bunch of random people and they're all like i like batman batman's great i hope he wins i like superman superman's great I like him. but um the one that I just thought was so funny was uh, Michael Shannon, who appeared in uh, Man of Steel as the villain. Zod, yeah. His, his quote that he gave back to them when they asked him, you know, hey, we're doing this fun piece. Who would win in a fight, Batman or Superman? He said, I am so utterly unconcerned with the outcome of that fight. So <laughs> profoundly, utterly unconcerned. I can't even come up with a fake answer. I guess I have to sup- root for Superman because he killed me. So I would hope that he would continue his killing spree and become like a like a serial killer Superman. That's a new take on Superman. We'd all be in a heap of trouble if Superman was a serial killer. He could just wipe us all out, but then he'd be lonely. And that was wow. Michael Shannon's response to who would win the, the fight, Batman yeah, or Superman. That's beautiful. Love it. There's links below for all this fun stuff. All right, Leo, you've built it up. <laughs> oh, hang on, though. There's a one from the community. Uh, Shazira uh, posted a link to, apparently, this is in the Discord, uh, 2K Soft Launches an Unannounced XCOM Legends mobile game, which I think I pay attention to video game headlines. This completely went by me. But apparently, there is a XCOM mobile game that's been soft launched in certain territories, and people just, like, stumbled across it. Like, somebody spotted it last year, apparently, by just seeing an ad on Facebook. Like 2K is just like not acknowledged that this turn-based RPG like XCOM experience is available on mobile now. But wait, so Hanson, you you totally noticed. missed the Kotaku headline debacle around this game? Yeah, I guess so. What was that? They I mean the headline that Kotaku wrote, and guys, I'm maybe Janet, maybe you know what I'm talking about, was something yeah. along the lines of like XCOM game secretly launched. See, XCOM mobile game secretly launched looks like sh- was like oh that's what that was about i just saw people being sarcastic about it on social media in a very toxic way i didn't know what the core of it was about well no but then the debate became like is that a fair headline you know right which is is an interesting debate i think the next Uh, hour of the podcast yeah (laughs) Yeah, what a mess all right no i missed that one but uh if you missed it as well 
there's a weird XCOM game but it, lurking it, around it's, there. It is bizarre how it just got dropped. Yeah. Right? Like, it seems like a cool idea, XCOM on mobile. It's just, it, it feels like so many <laughs> publishers are just, like, making these mobile spinoff versions. Like, I don't know, throw it out there. Let's, let's roll the dice. Maybe this will make some money. Okay, what's that instead? Okay, moving on. Like, you know, Ubisoft <laughs> just shut down its Tom Clancy Elite Squad game, which was the big return to form for uh, Sam Fisher and all of our other friends. All right, Leo, will you stop teasing us? Hey, guys. Hey. Get a load of this. <gasps> He's doing uh, Not a very flashy one this week, but oh. hopefully it's helpful. <laughs> okay. Someone gets something out of it. Um, uh, The Pomodoro technique is something uh, Janet knows. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Then Pomodoros. Let's go. Hell yeah. It's a very simple workplace, you know, focus technique that I've been doing the past month or two. Essentially, it's 25 minutes of work, five minutes off. And you do that like, you know, three or four times and then you get a longer 15 minute break. And I was just manually putting in the timer on my phone. And I find it to be very helpful to have that kind of structure in my day. But in the past couple of weeks, I found this site called pomofocus.io. P-O-M-O-focus.io. And it is those timers, you know, built in. It automatically takes you between 25 minutes to the five minute timer, automatically deploys the 15 minute timer after so many sessions. And you can write down tasks and have different projects. Mm. And it like re- builds a graph of how much time you've spent each day of the week on each different project. I found it to be really helpful for me being, you know, self-employed, self-motivating, like building that kind of routine. Yeah. And I really recommend it. That's cool. That sounds great. Um, all right. Plugs. What do we got? Uh, we're recording the commentary track for Lord of the Rings Two Towers tonight. That'll be in the Patreon exclusive podcast feed, which you can unlock in your favorite podcast app by supporting us over there on Patreon. So look forward to that. Probably going up uh, very soon. We have the Fellowship of the Ring up there now. Um, let's see. We have the Deepest Dive on Dead Space. Go back, play that original game. You can join our huge game club discussion or just watch it on YouTube if you'd like. That'll be up uh, early next week. You can unlock the podcast version as well on Patreon. MinMax Council, our big call-in episode. The last Sunday of every month, we do the call-in episode of MinMax Council. Uh, this Sunday at 7 p.m. Central, we're going to have that call-in episode. So if you're at that $20 tier, if you just want to jump in at that $20 tier, you can jump in and talk to Surreal and myself, and we'll be recording it from the new MinMax studio, which will be unveiled on Friday on Twitch. So give us a follow at twitch.tv slash minmaxshow. Surreal is going to be swinging by the new studio in person. Uh, We're going to be streaming some old games. I'm going to surprise him with an old game that he talked about a long time ago on this podcast. I don't think he knows that I have it. So get ready for that. Um, But yeah, if you want to talk to us, you can call in this Sunday. Or if you want to watch us stream fun old games in the new studio, you can follow minmaxshow on Twitch. Um, I think that's it. Anybody else have something they're dying to plug? My new video will hopefully be out on f- Friday of this week on youtube.com slash Leo Vader. It's about time loops and it's 32 minutes long. Wow. Biggie. Oh, wow. Biggie. There we go. Cool. Thanks so much, everybody. And thank you to the folks that joined the thank you crew over there on Patreon. You can add your name to the list as well at that $50 tier. But these people are good 
folks. Thank you for supporting us. And you know who I'm talking about. It is Hello Hyrule Podcast. I am 8-Bit, Fixture S1, Mirko Rico Terreno, Beaten Down Brian, Zachary Pliggy, Andrew Ukerwitz, uh, Jamar Hello, Mark Seliga, PrettyGoodPrinting.com, Connor McKay, Ludwig Roque, John Higby, Best of the Rest Podcast, Andrew Valla, Logan Krause, Spiral in Your Eyes, Drew Waranis, Clint Farley, Spider Dan, Purebred Number 6, Starkiller, Steve Bamdad, Slick Nick, and Pretham Yarlagata. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next week. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.